the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Stimulating talk with Dave Ellswick. 101.1 FM, The Answer. From the Capitol today, the Dave Ellswick Show. We're on the third floor. We're on the House side, and uh, uh, State Senator Brian King just uh, was walking by and came over to say hi. I didn't even recognize him. He's, uh, he's lost quite a bit of weight, and uh, he's going to sit down with us here in the first hour. We're going to talk to him, see what he's got to say, and what are the important things that the uh, the session is bringing to him. But before we get to any of that, let's talk about the news that's really on everybody's mind, and that's the weather. What's the weather going to bring today uh, to our area? I can tell you that if you're going to northwest Arkansas, you know, you're going to get to the higher elevations today. Don't. If you don't have to go, don't. It's going to get really, really bad up in the northwest part of the state. They're looking at 6 to 12 inches of snow today. And, uh, you know, even on a flat road, that's a lot of snow to have to maneuver. You get up into those hills, and you're going to get at the bottom of a hill, and you're not going to be able to get up and get over the next hill. So we're going to have a cold rain that's going to be uh, going to start settling into the area uh, here in central Arkansas about noon today. Uh, northwest Arkansas may start to get their snow or a uh, rain-snow mix around noon as well. Uh, if you, if I was been, I've been checking this out, and it, it looks bad uh, in northwest Arkansas. It looks like, you know, tomorrow when you get up in the morning, because they're saying the, the main snow for us is going to come in between 2 and 4 o'clock in the morning. <coughs> Excuse me. And, of course, that's right before uh, rush hour. And they're saying that the snowfall totals, this is from the National Weather Service now, will be as high as 6 to 12 inches in the high elevations of the Ozarks and Washita's, uh, 3 to 6 uh, in the Ozarks and Washita's lower elevations, and then 1 to 3 in most of the advisory areas and along the Arkansas River Valley. On the eastern edge of the snow, it's uh, an inch or less can be expected, and that's where we fall in that area. So uh, 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 I, w- I would call that a dusting. An inch is just a dusting. But it will make things slick. Uh, it will make bridges very slick. Uh, you get on a bridge and uh, you get that wind blowing over the top of it and under it, it'll freeze up tighter than a drum. And so uh, go uh, you know, slowly, slowly, so that uh, you don't lose uh, control. They've got winter storm warnings, winter uh, weather advisories have been issued 
for all the areas that uh, will see the most impact and hazardous travel due to snow-covered roads that will mostly be slushy but in time could get packed down into ice. Snow totals highest within the warning area, which is any area that's uh, got any kind of elevation to it, and therefore travel is going to be most impacted there uh, probably Friday night in uh, and then uh, it's saying here Wednesday morning. Within the winter weather advisory, travel will be impacted. Ban not to be extended. Uh, it will be within the warning area. <coughs> Excuse me. Some snow will fall, possibly accumulating even outside the advisory uh, area, including Little Rock and Pulaski County. So keep it in mind. They're saying for us about an inch. And uh, it's going to melt. <coughs> when it gets into the area and then uh, you're going to have some problems uh, with slushy roads and then uh, it will be cold today there is the possibility you get on bridges that that's going to freeze and uh, you know you get a frozen bridge and like I said uh, that can be very uh, very dangerous to say the least so you want to proceed with caution today don't be following everybody don't get up close on people Give yourself plenty of room uh, to be able uh, to stop. So our high today is going to be 45. That's what we're looking at, a high of 45. Uh, the real fuel temperature about 43. Wind gusts of about 18 miles per hour. Rain probability about 94%. Snow probability about 14%. And we're going to get about a third of an inch of rain here in our area. The uh, cloud cover is going to be almost 100%. You might see a little teach of blue, you know, just might see a little bit. Uh, tonight, look for a low of 31. So it's going to be sitting right on that freezing mark. Uh, there'll be It'll be cloudy. There'll be rain. It'll, it'll be mixed with a little snow late. And again, the accumulation is a coating up to an inch is what they're saying probability of snow at that point is about 56 percent and the rain amount is a third of an inch and snow amount about three tenths okay so that that's a dusting is what they're what they're telling us as far as uh, that's concerned uh, your uh, Wednesday forecast is a high of 49 and uh, then you're looking for a low at night of 29 uh, probability of precipitation falls and uh, don't have to worry about much precipitation later on into the day. Rain probability 14%, snow probability as we get in tomorrow 4%. And as I was looking at um, the hourly times here, here's what they're saying. Rain uh, 10, rain in 11, then it's going to let up, and then we'll have rain again at 1 o'clock through most of the afternoon. From about 1 o'clock all the way through to uh, midnight. Then after midnight, they're saying that we could see some snow, uh, about a 50% chance, and uh, very little of any real impact as far as uh, it uh, collecting on the roads. But enough ice because of the low temperatures that it could make things dangerous again over overpasses 
uh, coming down hills, things of that nature. So slow down and give plenty of room between yourself and the people uh, in front of you. All of it's supposed to get underway at about noon today. I'll be uh, done here and on my way home. I'll be making my way home fairly uh, quickly, although i got to get over here uh, to Little Rock for a doctor's appointment later on in the afternoon. All right, let's go ahead and get our first break in. Uh, we'll wait uh, for uh, Brian King, state senator. He'll be joining us. He wants to get a bite, something to, to, to drink, and then uh, he'll be joining me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're live at the Capitol. We'll be here all morning long. Uh, Senator uh, Gary Stubblefield will join us today. We'll be talking to State uh, Representative uh, Mary Bentley today. I think Mark Johnson's going to join us today. So a lot of different people will be coming by to sit down and talk with us and uh, discuss what's going on. SB 43 supposed to go before the Senate today. That's the drag queen bill, and they'll be voting on it, and we'll talk to Gary about that and see what he has to say about it. Also to Mary since she's the, uh, the house side sponsor. Today, Ellswick Show, we're looking at uh, about quarter after 7 on a uh, Tuesday. Stay with us here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back at the Capitol. We'll be here all morning long from uh, now until 11 o'clock. Like I said, later on in the show, we're going to be hearing from State Senator Gary Stubblefield and State Rep uh, Mary Bentley. Mark Johnson's going to join with us. And who knows who else? I mean, I, I didn't have Brian King on my list today. He'd just come waltzing by, and I didn't even recognize him. Move on, on the microphone so I'll be able to hear you, Brian. You come in, you, you're, what'd you do, go out and run a couple of miles before? No, I didn't run. <laughs> Dave, I had a hip replacement, you know, about three years ago, yeah. so they said no more running. You know, and I've lost weight, and I'm trying to get I've healthier. mentioned that just a moment yeah. ago. Yeah, I didn't just, even recognize you. Yeah, I know. And one time I was 270 down here. I got down to 210, and then now I – I kind of got back up after the campaign, so yeah. you get busy and life got down. I got back up to 225, so I'm working it back down to 220. And I'm, hopefully, my goal was not to gain weight during the session and stuff. Good luck. Stay heavy. Hey, yeah, it's tough, Dave. <laughs> it's like these people, like my wife. You know, she uh, she doesn't gain weight. You know, and I say, honey, I love you to death and everything until it comes to that point, and it's like I really have issues. You know? Yeah, it's and like I got to move that, away from you because you. You, she can probably, like my wife, can do, eat like a horse and yeah. doesn't put on anything. No, I mean, she's like, you know, never had a weight problem or anything like that. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's <laughs> not, tough, Dave. Not the case for you. Yeah. All right, so you're back into the into the service of the folks in, in your district. Uh, first thing that you get handed as you get here is the drag queen bill. Mm-hmm. That's kind of amazing, isn't it? When, when in your wildest imaginings did you ever think that you were going to have to, you know, as a legislature, deal with drag queens? Well, I mean, it's just a different world today. I mean, you know, I think, Dave, you and I go back, I hate to say how many years it's been since the first time I was coming down here. What, 18 years, 16, 17, 18? Yeah, what was your first? When was 2000, your... I got elected in six. Yeah, so, you know, I was here. A little bit before that, I mean, you were here. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's the world we have to live in and what you have to do. And, and uh, uh, you know, and I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm people's asked me about it, and I've told them, uh, you know, I've got more, I guess, libertarian as, as it is. It's yeah. like. You know, you see things, and it's like, it's not my thing. I've never been to a drag queen contest, but I think, you know, uh, people have a First Amendment right to do what they want to. I mean, I think that 
you know, just like in the heterosexual couple that didn't want to or want to bake the cake for the homosexual wedding, right. they should have the freedom to do that. I think, you know, if you're a homosexual baker and you don't want to bake cakes for a heterosexual, yes, you you should have the freedom to do that. We've got into freedoms when we don't know it, but and I, I do think that that we need to look at like uh, this bill to me is. Uh, you know, it's got some issues of, like, where does it cross First Amendment, even though I don't agree with it. The second thing is, is I wish it was better defined. I mean, uh, you know, we have a movie rating system out there. I mean, I don't think there's certain things that need to be out in front of kids. I mean, in the public. I mean, those I think those things to be adult things. Uh, but uh, so anyway, I mean, uh, overall, I think the intent of the bill is trying to protect kids and yeah, it's, the public. Yeah, it's not really, I don't believe for performances that other adults are going to go see, but mm-hmm. more to try to keep this stuff that's been happening all over the United States where drag queens are coming into yeah. you know, school libraries and things. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm not <laughs> for that. I'm not for if you're swingers, you know, and I'm not for you doing that. I mean, I think there's some decency and bounds that we need to do. I mean, there's some religious extremist groups out there that I'm not for them doing that. I mean, I think that you know, most of the, probably 80% of the people, even a lot of liberal people say that there's certain things that need to be uh, not taught to kids, and that needs to be the parents or adults or when they get to that point. And so, uh, but, you know, you have these extremes on all sides that try and interject their things and what they think. And so this is what this place is about, is debating that issue. So where are you, where are you standing on the, uh, you know, Sarah wants to bring in universal uh, school choice. Where are you sitting down on this? Yeah, I mean, I want to see what this – I mean, I campaigned on school choice back years ago, uh, even when it wasn't popular to talk about. Uh, you know, just kind of just want to see the proposal. I mean, I think there needs to be accountability measures. I think there needs to be – if they're going to receive state tax dollars. And, uh, you know, I think there needs to be, uh, uh, you know, a real hard look at everything. I mean, it, it's like – uh, you know, what I don't want to get into is what I've seen, Dave, as things have changed is what I call postcard politics, where it's just, you know, it's some small measure or doesn't do anything, but it's just enough to put on a postcard. To go well, that's home. what Asa had been doing. Oh, yeah, he was terrible. I mean, <laughs> good riddance. I mean, nobody knows how. I've known them for since I got involved in politics, you know. They're, they're going to – and what it was, Dave, what I don't want to see is – uh, the influence of these big money billionaires that want to interject their way too, I mean that's not school choice either. So it's just kind of concerning to see all these aspects of, uh, you know, what their version of school choice is, and you know right now we just don't know what that is yet. What is the governor saying to the caucus? Have she said anything that you I can mean, get I behind? I, I mean, she's. I mean, I've missed. A caucus meeting back before, uh, and I don't know that she's addressed. I think she's working with some of them in the legislative circles to get out the plan and try and take things in a new direction and stuff. And I mean, I do not know what that is. Okay. Anything that's coming up in the session that uh, you most interested? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I did was come down here, and it's just like nothing. I didn't tell the people back home, and if I tell the people back home, I'm going to do something. I'm not going to come down here and is, uh, you know, the real changes. I mean, one of the biggest things, the issues I've seen down here over the years is, you know, it's turned into Washington, D.C., you know. You know, they batch bills. I hate batch bills. Throwing down bills, you don't even know what in the hell's in it. 
I mean, you just vote and either vote for it or not. I mean, that's just not the way to do things. Rubber stamping is not a good way to govern. That's kind of like uh, an omnibus bill yeah, omnibus up in national. Bills, I mean, and omnibus bills have to happen in sometimes, but you need time to look at it. You need time to read it. You know, the Washington, D.C. thing that, quite frankly, a bunch of Republicans voted for that didn't even know what – that is not good governments. I don't care who you are, and it's not good governments what has been happening down here just rubber stamping bills, walk in there, and there's 34 bills, and we need to do it. The corruption part, the the cronyism, all those things come into play. You know, the other thing is, too, is trying to have five recorded votes in the Senate to get a bill out of committee. That is just simple, <laughs> basic <coughs> democracy and transparency. You should know the five people that vote for something out of committee. I mean, I know things are on video a little bit today from when I went. Uh, that's pretty simple. The third thing was is uh, that was the most egregious, I think, is like, you know, these legislators come down here and don't pay their taxes. And yet they're down here taking trips, sucking per diem out off the taxpayer. You know, I mean, that is, to me, one of the most hypocritical things. And so, you know, that failed too. I mean, so, you know me. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm going to be on a direct and path and be who I am. And if that means pointing out the hypocrisy or something that shouldn't be right. And uh, so... So as far as the rules went, as far as, uh, you know. Uh, uh, Transparency, slowing down the process where you know yeah, what's going on. Yeah, how many hours do you, are, are they giving you now to read the bills? I mean, they're, they're, right now it's, it's slow. It's ridiculous how we come down here and the first month and a half of the session is nothing. I mean, there's one bill on the calendar today right. after two weeks. And, uh, you know, that's not the way I did it. I mean, when I was down here before, you have. When a session ends in 23, you got plenty of time to get ready you got for 24. Of time to get ready for it. Or 25. I mean, it's not like there's. Uh, so, you know, the idea that. Uh, uh, so, and I just think that when it comes to. Me and you talked about this several times, it goes back. The financial management and the actual structure of government, the way we're doing things, is just not, a, not the right way to do it. And there needs to be more thought about how we spend money where we spend money, I mean, the waste, fraud, and abuse that's been occurring down here is, is uh, very bad. Okay, so I've heard that uh, uh, that Sarah wants to get rid of the, uh, the state income tax. It will take a couple of years to do it. Are you for that? Are you wanting to see that? Or oh, I, are you like me? You want to see cuts to go along with getting rid no, of I the mean, state you, you income can, tax? This thing of, of, of counting on future growth, I mean, that is like a bad way financially. It's a bad way financially in a business. It's a bad way, uh, you know. So when I care first came in, the budget was around $4 billion. I mean, there's $6 billion, you know, and then they look at two or three years from now, they're getting close to $7 billion. So listen, this, this is what is what makes me so outlier in the Republican Party. Federal and state spending has went up oh, well over 50% since Republicans have taken control. Okay, we, do, we have a state income tax left because of spending. We came in, when I came in, it was a little over $4 billion. They're over $6 billion now. We should realistically have been, you know, probably around five, $5.2 So if you would have just limited your spending alone, and that's why you saw the things with ASA that drove me crazy is we're lowering taxes right here, but we're raising taxes in the same bill. Well, that's what Republicans call revenue neutral. Yeah, that's revenue neutral. No. I mean, they've raised more taxes down here than they've, than they've lowered. Uh, you know, what concerns me with the budget part is, is a lot of these budget numbers are inflationary. 
because think of it. I mean, you had to pay a sales tax on a on something that used to cost one hundred and sixty five dollars is three hundred eighty. Hold your thought. Okay. We got to get uh, we got to get in and and uh, check in with Bill O'Reilly. Let's do that. Then we'll be back more with Capital Brian King, Stay Sender, with us as our guest. All right, back at the Capitol, Dave Ellswick show. We're going to be here until 11 o'clock. We've got just a few moments left with uh, State Senator Brian King. He's back in the uh, uh, the Republican caucus. Uh, and, you know, I'm sitting here and listening to him, and guess what? A whole lot of things haven't changed since he left, <laughs> came back. He's trying, to bring, he's trying to bring changes that he wants to see. He's got a couple of bills that are going to be introduced. What do you got? So in Senate Judiciary, I filed two bills, uh, Senate Bill 7 and Senate Bill 8. Senate Bill 7 deals with uh, prescription drug harm and homicide. It means that, like, the executives in, like, Purdue Pharma uh, that misled people, got hooked, people hooked on opiates, caused a lot of destruction. I mean, they clearly lied to the FDA. They lied to the DEA. They lied about everything. Uh, so it's just about holding those executives of Big Pharma criminally responsible. They've been held civilly responsible. They're in bankruptcy, too, as they do. But it just holds them criminally responsible. I mean, if you're going out there, it's no different than a drug dealer that is, uh, you know, misleading people on the effects of fentanyl, meth, whatever. I mean, they can be, you know, criminally responsible. It's just making sure drug executives, if they're misleading people, uh, they have to, uh, you know, causing this and telling one one thing and their drug does something else and hiding things and doing stuff, then... They can be criminally held responsible. Senate Bill 8 deals with vaccines. Uh, you know, people need to trust these people. That if, if all we have is civil penalties against these big drug executives where they can make $20 billion off a drug and then, okay, they get hit and they have to give $10 billion of it back, then all of a sudden, you know, that's not really, you know, they're not going to change their behavior. No, they still made $10 billion. I mean, the, there was a lot of federal prosecutors in the federal government. People sit there and say, why aren't they prosecuting and all that? And they did. Well, I mean, they did a lot of work. I mean, why is it all their responsibility? I mean, there was some federal prosecutors in this thing, career prosecutors and a U.S. attorney. If you look at the opioid crisis, that are true patriots. I mean, they fought and did everything, and I, you know, hats off to them. But I think that it's the responsibility on the state to protect your citizens to say, if you're an executive big pharma and you're misleading people and, you know, your drug actually causes harm or homicide, why should you not be criminally responsible and then why is it always the federal government's responsibility to do it? So what you're, what you're saying is that you want some criminal liability, mm-hmm. not just just not monetary just liability. Just not monetary, yeah. If they go to jail, you think that they'll change their ways? I mean, I think that's a possible thing. I mean, we, we want to do that for everybody else, but all of a sudden when you're, you know, situations like the Sackler family, I mean, they were given art galleries. They're, they have lawyers to get out of bankruptcy and file on certain things. I mean, uh, I think that in their case, uh, why do we have one standard out here for uh, a certain type of people, but all of a sudden they get out of it because of money and political influence? No, so you want to get away from Good enough for me, but not for these. That's exactly right. Yeah. All right. Appreciate you, Brian. All right, man. Always enjoy you coming by and talking. Okay. I'll, I'll let you get back to work. you got yeah. things to do. Yeah, I get back to walking and, and uh, working on the healthy thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, good to see you, Dave. And like I said, Dave, we talked about it. You've lost a lot of weight, too. Yeah, it's been about four years since I've been over here because of, you know, COVID and yeah. everything. So now that that's all gone, I'm back. And, uh 
I'm keeping an eye on them. Yeah, you are. I always do. Yeah. We'll talk to you later, brother. Thank you so much. We'll take a quick break. Come back. We've got more guests coming our way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Live from the Capitol, 101.1 FM, The Answer. It was nice to see uh, State Senator Brian King jumping by and uh, talking about some of the th- issues that are concerning him and a couple of bills that he's he's dropping uh, over in the uh, the judiciary. So we'll we'll be following those Senate Bill Seven and Eight. But now let's turn our attention. Something I've been talking about a lot over the last few weeks is education, but we've been talking about it in you know public school settings. What about the people who've already gone through? Uh, the public school uh, uh, settings, and can't read. They just can't read yet, all right? I mean, and, and we got a lot more that are going to come out of the public schools that way uh, right now. Uh, I was passing on to you some information uh, over the last couple of weeks about North Little Rock and how 75% of their students can't read mm-hmm. at uh, uh, grade level, and that's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So when anybody says, you believe in school choice? I said, yeah, we've been doing the same thing for how many years, and it sure as hell ain't working. Seems like to me it's time to try something different. Maybe it will. Well, Susan Richardson and Dixie Evans have joined me. They're from Adult Literacy. And how bad is it out there? How many how many Arkansans can't read? Well, I'm Sarah, and um, I'm involved at, at the state level with the Adult Learning Alliance of Arkansas. Um, the statistics are about one in five Arkansans read below a third grade reading level as adults. Um, If you take numeracy into that, basic math, the numbers are even more disturbing. In some counties, it's as high as 60% of the adults are below a fourth grade math Six out of ten. A very disturbingly high number of adults. That is. That is really. Especially in the um, higher poverty areas of the state. So we have a a real issue on our hand, uh, on our hands, not just because they can't read now, but the number one predictor of a child's reading success is the reading level of their mother. So when you're tackling it in K-12 schools and their mom can't read or their caretaker can't read, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle from the get-go. It's disturbing what you just said. It is disturbing. Because let me tell you what, the, our, our state needs to have people who can read and can do math or there's not a decent company in the country that will come here. Right. So nationwide, if you brought every low literate adult up to a sixth grade reading level, not high school, not not uh, GED level, just sixth grade, it would add two point two trillion dollars to the U.S. economy. Wow. That's the profound economic impact it has. The nationwide. I mean, it's it touches everything we're spending money on. Okay, so that that's nationwide. What about Arkansas? What would it mean for our state? Um, I mean, you'd have to work that down the math backwards, and I haven't done that. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. Next time you come on, I'll, I'll, know I'll that crunch gonna the ask numbers that question of, right. of the economic impact. I do know um, that just within the state, there's no part of the things that ail us, whether it's domestic violence, health care costs, education issues, crime rates, all it's all things. intricately connected, connected isn't to it? Reading would help a lot. <laughs> all right. Well, that's good. Dixie, what do you do? I am the executive director at Literacy Council of White County. We're a local community-based okay. adult literacy council. So, so let's break this down from statewide to one one county. Yeah. Right. So we serve White and Woodruff County. In okay. White County, we have 13% of our adults 
that are low literate. That means they're below fourth grade in their reading level. Um, in Woodruff County, that's 21%. So if you look at White County's population, that's over 7,000 adults mm-hmm. in one county in Arkansas that can't read well enough to fill out a job application or to help their kids with school or read basic information. Um, Our newspapers, magazines, things like that are typically written at the fifth and sixth grade levels. Um, (laughs) You know that. Yeah, I got a degree in journalism and and they told us right at the sixth. And that's very telling that that is actually the average reading level for adults. Um, nationwide statewide if you break it down there are very few adults that actually read over that but we don't look at being able to read at sixth grade or above as necessarily being low literate and i really think we should Mm -hmm. um, because even at a sixth grade level that hinders you so much in your employment options Uh, and i know in white county one of the biggest things i hear in our employers and through our chamber Enterprises aren't coming because they can't get an educated enough workforce. And it's not even about skills. It's just being able to convert math, being able to read directions. That was one of the things that one of our local employers came and was like, we just need somebody to help our employees help convert the math on the weight of items because sometimes our products come in in different weights and you can't use three scoops it's not the same conversion you know they think of it as three scoops instead of actually converting it down to weight or uh, volume and so that's one of the things that is a struggle for them it's just those not just literacy skills but the numeracy skills Um, and that's what adult literacy councils do we're separate from adult education we all often get confused with adult education ged things like that 85 percent of the adults that i work with that cannot read have a high school diploma Mm -hmm. It's not about GED. <laughs> okay, so let me jump back and ask uh, uh, Aaron. Aaron, do we have another break coming? Just yell, say yes or no. No, you guys are ready. For, you guys are good till the end of the hour. All right, great. That's, that's fantastic. So I'm sure you're up here talking to me, but you're going to stop by and see some some people who yeah. are going to be writing up legislation and things. I'm sure that that's what you do, Sarah. Yeah. So what's this is supposed to be a session that Sarah says is about the kids, but it sounds like to me that we got to keep the adults in mind mm-hmm. as well. So I can't emphasize enough that helping adults improve their ability to read and write and speak English and work computers is about the kids. I, I taught 14 years in public education. Um, I'm also the director at Garland County, um, and so I, I see how the kids are affected by their parents not being employable, not Um, A mom who can't leave a domestic violence situation. They can't understand what the doctor's talking about when they go to appointments. It's as much about the kids as it is about the adults. And so we're here today. um, We have two um, legislators, Richard McGrew and Les Warren, are sponsoring the legislation to change our line item in the budget. Um, And so we're presenting to the group today at noon over at Capitol Apartments um, to talk about what that impact would be. And, and we're actually, I mean, it feels to Dixie and I like a lot of money. It's not a lot of money we're asking for. There's always, well, since the 90s, been a state line item in the budget for community-based literacy organizations. 
Um, that was reduced in 2002 when everybody took a cut to, mm-hmm. to 650000 And we're just asking for it to be increased to a million. And that gets dispersed through the Adult Learning Alliance of Arkansas to local councils um, to do our work. And um, according to the rules, that can never fund more than half our work. So Dixie and I still go back and come up with the other half to 80% of your budget sometimes locally. But that that underpinning funding is is critical to keeping our services going to adults that want to improve okay so there's two sides of this i mean you're dealing with businesses and people like that who need people who can Mm -hmm. read people who can compute and things of that nature Mm -hmm. but you you also need from the side of the the politicians right and uh, you all well it's really a three facet thing now you got to also deal with the people who can't read Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm You know, I remember, remember the movie that Johnny Cash did years ago about uh, about reading and he couldn't read and mm-hmm. he learned how to read, but he had to get over his own right. self-worth and all of the rest of the things. And, and there's a lot of that there. I've, I've talked to people who can't read mm-hmm. and they don't want to go back to school because right. they feel stupid. So how do you get past that? So that happens really differently with every person. But, you know, to me, it's like anything else in life when an adult makes up their mind that they want to change. They'll come and change. We're, one of the things, like I said, I was in K-12 ed, and that's compulsory. But people show up to my office because they, they want to improve their life. And so um, we do locally at my council. It's through partner agencies. We, you build a lot of trust in communities, and people will word of mouth and get folks to you. Um, but every council works um, to some degree with volunteers that they've trained. And so um, there's volunteers and AmeriCorps members um, teaching folks to read and do math and speak English. And um, we prov- every council, as far as I know, provides that for free or sometimes mm-hmm. a really nominal fee to kind of get some buy-in, five bucks or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but all together, typically, it's an adult who's made the choice i've got to change something or they have a goal they want to get to all right so let me take you back to dixie because you're working on two counties yes how do how do you how do you do this in on the county level you said you got what seven thousand in in one county in one county and that's obviously we don't serve all seven thousand it is hard to reach those adults there's a stigma with not being able to read Um, and number one you don't want to say you can't no you don't want people to know there's it's like the dirty little secret um and so at the community level when you tell people the statistics and the problem is like oh that can't be right the most common thing that i see adults coming in is because their kid is struggling in school and the school has put that shame on the parent saying mm. they can't read well because you're not reading with them. And the parent comes to me and say, well, you know, it's my fault my kid's struggling because I, can't, I don't read with them, but I can't read. And I just want my kid to be successful. And so I'll make a really conscientious effort with our community partners. We partner with lots of different organizations, uh, doctor's offices, so that they can help people understand, you know, this isn't your fault. Um, I try to explain to people for so long, the way reading has been taught in our public schools has been broken. So I try to break down that stigma and let them know there's no shame in coming. But we also, we keep their confidentiality. If they don't want people knowing that they're coming to us and getting help, it doesn't get out. Um, right. That is up to them to share their story. We try to encourage them to share their story and share their struggle because that makes it real for other people. But we've had, I've had 
business owners, very mm-hmm. successful business owners come to me and say, I'm struggling with reading. Can you help me? One of our small towns, a man that used to be their mayor, and he owned a very successful business in our community. He came to me after his wife passed away and said, I've never been able to read. Yeah, and I leaned and my on wife her. has passed, a, passed away, and now I, I, need, yep. I need to be able to read because I have no one to read anything for me. And that is so common uh, to see, especially for our older people that come into us. A spouse has passed away, and now they can't read. Um, I had a lady come to me from Woodruff County that... And it breaks my heart because it, it's a small community. It's a small town, you know. And people knew she couldn't read well and she couldn't do math and count money and things like that. And they were taking advantage mm-hmm. of her. She oh, would go no. to the store, give them a $100 bill. They would cheat her on her change because she couldn't count the money anyways. And so she came to me and she said, I've, I know that I've been cheated and it's because I can't count money. And so. All right, we're going we're gonna to come back and talk more about this. Yeah. All right, we, we really are. Dixie and Sarah are going to be with us. I, I cut into their time a little bit with uh, the state <laughs> senator, so I'm going to give it back to them after 8 o'clock. They don't have anything to do for uh, a couple hours, so don't worry. It's not going to be for a couple hours. We're going to keep them, <laughs> we're gonna keep them for about another 20 minutes and talk to them about adult literacy. It's more important than you can ever conceive. It, it's got all kinds of facets. We'll talk about a lot of those when we come back. Dave Ellswick show live at the state capitol at 101.1 FM, the end. Third floor, house side, if you ever want to just kind of walk up and see what's going on up here. Right now it's kind of boring. I've got a couple of guests on. They're not boring, but I'm just saying there's times that we've got 15, 20 people floating around here, everybody wanting to get uh, some air time. But uh, Sarah's with us, Dixie's with us. We're talking about uh, adult literacy. I hope that you uh, tuned in at the beginning of the interview in the last half hour because a lot of important information passed on to you about how many, one in six, I think, uh, here. One in, in five. One in five can't read at uh, a necessary level to get along in life, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can't do that in your state and expect to have, um, you know, big IT companies come here looking to pay big money to people to work for them because the people don't have the skills to work for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I'm excited about what Sarah's trying to do with education uh, and and reading is one of the things that they're zeroing in on. Uh, I don't understand how kids go all the way through uh, school and, and graduate from high school and, and, and you said uh, Dixie you got kids that are coming out of high school and can't read at a at a fourth grade level. Yeah mm-hmm. it's super common. I don't see it. Uh, they can't read the test. Right. So what what are the teachers doing? Are they do are are they giving you know uh, asking questions and letting them orally answer? I had I had one teacher tell us in a meeting um, that the accommodation for read aloud wasn't necessary for the student because she does it for the whole class, which in theory sounds good. But okay, then now read aloud means that the teacher stands in the front of the class and reads the instructions and maybe even right. on the test reads, reads the, the questions, questions and the answers. Yes. So uh, having been in public school for 14 years, I would, I would challenge people to stop saying what are teachers doing wrong and saying what are we all doing wrong. 
because when you have kids who are in and out of foster care repeatedly, repeated traumas that are not resolved because mental health isn't accessible, they've moved 62 times, their parents can't read, it becomes a more complicated issue than the person standing in front of the classroom, which it does matter. There are, there are some problems in teaching. I would, I mean, I'd be the first to admit it, but it's, we've, we've as a society stopped caring about being a literate community. It's, it's, we've stopped caring about being passionate about reading. I think people think people can read. They do. For sure. But also, have you ever heard somebody say, oh, he uses $3 words and he's always, got his book and uh, nose in a book and I just think there was a time when that was sort of revered that idea of being an educated literate person and now everybody's watching videos and joking about you know being too big for your britches. That's funny my wife says that to me. (laughs) She'll say would you please use a normal word instead of a 50 cent word. She'll she'll say things like that. But I think as a culture we we have to say this matters to us for birth to death that it matters. No I agree. I don't understand a family that doesn't put a lot of of emphasis on mm-hmm. education. I did. My kids hated me at times. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I'm, look, I'm their parent. I'm not supposed to be their best friend. All yeah. right. So I'm going to call them out if they're not, if they're not learning, if That's they're not even household. trying. Yeah. And I, I think you would be surprised how few households are like that. And then. That's where we try to come in. Dixie has a great family literacy program. The Dolly Parton Imagination Library tries to support uh, parents. If you talk to other directors around the state, they're doing things to support parents that want to improve that for their kids. And so I would emphasize that there are ways to support even when the schools aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Unfortunately, that happens. But hopefully the adult literacy councils can well, come in and equip get- do what they're supposed yeah, to do. I do. mean, I agree with you wholeheartedly right. on that. The thing that drives me crazy is a parent that goes in to see the principal because their kid's been in trouble or whatever, and their kid can't do anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's not the way yeah. it is, folks. Your child can do things wrong, believe me. <laughs> right. Haven't you seen it at your house? Right. I mean, come on. And so we just we just want to be able to better equip families. Tell a little bit about how you've partnered with the Dolly Parton Imagination Library. So going back, I do want to say that a lot of parents don't know how to help their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we actually do. We have a great comprehensive um, family literacy program that focuses on parent engagement. We get a ton of referrals from our schools and from our teachers on this program. Um, we have our Dolly Parton's Imagination Library book gifting program, ages birth through five. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but we use that as I know com- about it. Yeah. I'm not really familiar yeah. with it. So um, we're the local affiliate for that program in our community. So children that register, they get a book mailed to their home every single month. That's cool. And anybody birth through five is eligible. They get their last book the month of their fifth birthday. So it's really cool. And we use that as a cornerstone for our family literacy mm-hmm. program. Those books have brought in a lot of adults. There's like, because the books actually have little tabs in them that's about, you know, reading with your kids and engaging your kids in the story and building their comprehension, even from that birth standpoint, how to engage your kids when you're reading with them. Those books have brought a lot of parents into us saying, I want to know more, or I'm struggling as the books get a little harder to read these with my kids. But then at the same time, on our parent engagement programs, and I have parents that are Ph.D. level, very educated, that come to the parent engagement because it's not just for our low-literate adults. It's about helping your kid in school, effective ways to practice spelling, 
how to build reading comprehension, helping them with their math homework. And we have uh, classes on navigating the 504 and IEP process when your child needs extra services at schools. And just focusing on things that parents need to be able to do to engage fully in their kids and help them, but that schools can't handhold them through. And like I said, our teachers at my public schools are really great about referring parents saying, okay, you're frustrated. I understand you want to help your kid. You're not sure how to do that. Call the literacy council. They have a great class on this. And so we get a lot of parents from that. Um, And I think, yes, there are obviously parents that don't, engage and are apathetic about it and don't care and I always say just because they have a lousy parent doesn't mean that we shouldn't help this kid (laughs) to be successful but then I think a lot of parents just don't know how because things have changed so much since they were in school and they don't have the necessary tools. Look I'm a grandparent too now all right I got eight (laughs) kids I've got 13 grandchildren so when I talk to my grandkids, uh, I'll be just carrying on a conversation with them. And, and my wife does this as well. And I say, well, what's going on at school? What are you learning in school? Mm-hmm. And let them start talking. Mm-hmm. All I got to do is listen to them talk, and I can tell what they're so- soaking up in school. Right. So uh, we press that with our children, with our grandchildren, and then our children now press it with their kids. Right. and. That's that's what you got to do if you want to get this going. You got to be the, the impetus. You got to yeah. start it. Yeah. You know, and maybe you haven't. Maybe your kids are grown. Sit down and talk to them. Yeah, there's always it's I, it's always a good time to start something, right? Yeah. <laughs> the best day was yesterday, but if you can't do it yesterday, do it today. Yeah, so. do do something today to to build for something tomorrow, mm-hmm. and uh, reading. I always tell people reading is the door for you to see the world. Mm-hmm. You, you might never, ever, tr- you know, travel outside your community, but you can see the whole world through other people's eyes who have written about it. Yeah. And that's one for me at the local level, the council. I mean, I love seeing a person meet their goal because the adults come to us with different goals. Read with your child is a really common one. Um, uh, get a job is a really common one. Pass your driver's license test. Yeah. So when they come in and they finally done it after being kind of beaten down for a long time by failure, 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 and oh, I, I got a little success. You can you can motivate them to do lots of things, or they go, oh well, maybe I could go back to school, or maybe I could try for that promotion that they had just put that goal down because they've been too defeated for too long. And so um, it's a really exciting thing to see in the work we do. Um, for people's lives to change. So, Okay, so we've talked a little bit about the families. We've talked a little bit about the teachers. We've talked about your, uh, your all's goals and what you're doing because you're trying to reach out to all those groups and, and touch them in, in ways. How's it going? Is it better than it has been or is, I think are COVID you static? Settled. Well, COVID slowed a lot of councils down, you know, and they're – they're really blooming again. I hear a lot of great um, things out of each council because I kind of hear from everybody. Um, one of the things I'm really excited about that I think, I mean, I came on the scene in the middle of COVID in July 2020, so I don't have a great past reference, but um, I've seen the councils around the state working more like an alliance and relying on each other and calling and say, let's pursue this together. 
Um, there's a lot of great uh, local things happening that we're starting to share out with each other. Um, and so we're not, I'll, I'll be honest, though, we're not hitting the numbers we need to, largely due to funding. Almost every council's director is part-time. Um, and local obstacles from time to time. But the need is so big that sometimes you, you think, wow, I mean, locally, my council's grown by over 40, 400, sorry, 400%, but I'm still only touching 1% of the need. Yeah, so, you're scratching the surface. Yeah. So how is it when you come here to the Capitol and you meet with state reps, state state senators? Uh, when so you, do you ever get a chance to come in and talk to the governor? This is kind of a new thing we're doing. So... For a long time, there was a lot of fear and, and trepidation, there's one of those 50-cent words, <laughs> yeah. about approaching the legislature in fear of being cut or shut down. And I think the local councils have finally said, no, this is the only way something's going to change. We have and to you got to tell them. Yeah. So um, we formed a committee last summer, mm-hmm. and um, the, the goal of that committee initially has been to pursue this funding, but that committee is going to continue as an advocacy committee to educate the public and um, the government agencies that need to know how serious this issue is and that adult ed is very important. We applaud adult ed, but we're separate, and th- there's a need outside of what they do. And we do not get adult ed funding there's a lot of people that think oh well you're part of adult education you you should have plenty of no (laughs) you don't get any of that we don't get it i mean most of our councils operate on a shoestring thirty thousand dollars a year and some of our organizations most people can't live on thirty thousand dollars a year (laughs) so you have a lot of really um, dedicated folks making big sacrifices in their personal life to affect this change in this state. And I don't think it's well understood what it takes to get an adult to a functional literacy level. And then there's the other service. Computer skills has become a huge thing local councils do. Honestly, I thought it was going to be a gravy thing, but it's led to at least four of my students in the last year becoming employed. Good. And so there just a lot. there's a lot of work to be done, and we – have maybe as a group of people fallen down on our advocacy responsibilities but we're picking that torch back up and and we're going to be a little more visible yeah we we've all been in a situation where we're just struggling to keep our heads above the water keep our councils open keep serving our adults and we have like i said sarah's fairly new i've been with my organization seven years and we finally have some new directors coming in there's like yes, I want to help with this. Yes, I want to see this happen. So we were like, okay, well, let's do it. And so we're really starting to work together on the advocacy instead of as a single silo over here trying to do it on my own because it's hard to do something when you're trying to do it on your own. But when you bring together, you know, Mm -hmm. a dozen other people and then on top of we have 23 adult literacy councils in Arkansas serving Mm -hmm. 45 counties, I believe. (laughs) Serving 45 counties. Um, you know, no one council can do it on their own. So this has really been the first time that we've all said, let's really, we all get funding and we attend meetings and work together under the Adult Learning Alliance, but let's really actually connect this together and do something bigger that's going to yeah. have a bigger impact. And, and to speak to your question about how the legislators have responded, local councils have been doing that. Not, you know, I spoke to my local folks, Dixie, and they've been overwhelmingly in support of the increase in funding and what we're doing. Um, we haven't had, to my knowledge, we nobody has said, oh, 
this guy said, absolutely not. I'm against it. So um, I think that legislators can see the impact it has on the economics, on the health and well-being of our whole state. And so especially, you know, for the dollar amount you put in, what you get out pays. So Mm -hmm. I think from the financial standpoint, but also just the standpoint of being able to have a coherent conversation about the problem I don't like you said a lot of people don't know and the representatives I've spoken with uh, have been very eager to get their facts straight and go wow we have a real problem here that we need to be talking about more than we are now you need to have a literacy day here and bring in all of the people from yeah. all the different counties mm-hmm. and have yeah. them meet with. Well, the that's happening at noon over at that's, the Capitol. That's what we're doing. That's apartment. happening today. Yeah, okay. That's okay. Last year's student of the year is going to speak. If you, we're going to have lunch, and uh, you're going to want to hear her story about how her life has been changed through accessing a literacy council. And so, um, and then we're going to keep this up. We're going to we're going to keep the conversation up and and share like opportunities like this with you with the public i think there's probably a lot of people like you said going wow i had no idea oh, i had no idea that it was as bad as what yeah. you right. told so us today if you want to do a little digging like you're a data nerd like me um there's a website called proliteracy.org and they keep the national data and then you can access something called the PIAC. that's p-i-a-c-c skills map there's a longitudinal study that will start up again soon that is tracking down to the county level literacy and numeracy rates and they're adding digital skills in the next session and that so they've got uh two cycles done and they'll start the third you can go look at your county even that's important yeah i, yeah. I think it comes down i mean to you don't know how important it is until you can see where you're at yeah. right you right know? i think it comes down to people just not knowing um I don't think our legislators really realize that we're underfunded and overworked. Because they don't think of things if you don't go and tell them and ask them that they're not going to know. And so, yeah, the, I mean, the response that I've received has been positive. And so we're really excited about our lunch, about what's happening here. Because um, when we're properly funded, we'll be able to reach so many more people and do so much more. um, You know, because... Like Sarah huge... said, we're part-time. Most of us don't have support staff. I, it's me. I'm it in my office. And so having, you know, the ability to be able to get support staff would double what we're able to serve at least, if not more. Well, and there's large portions of the county or the state, I apologize, that don't have a literacy council. And, for example, I would be happy to take on, say, Montgomery County doesn't have a literacy council anymore, but I can't. I can't stretch any further than I've stretched. Right. So, and then you, much of the Delta doesn't have a literacy mm-hmm. council. And so for that to happen, there's got to be dollars to open yeah. one. So, yeah, we've been asked about taking over Prairie County because Prairie County's um, literacy council closed down just before COVID hit. And we don't have the capacity to do that. And we've been asked about Cleburne County. We don't have the capacity to do that. Right, let me take one more break and then we're going to come back and I'll have about three minutes left sure. and we'll, we'll take up the rest of this half hour. Okay. All right. It's Dave Ellswick show. We're talking about adult literacy, something important to consider. I hope that as you've heard uh, these ladies talking, you uh, get the feeling that if we really want to move forward as a state, people got to learn to read. People got to learn to compute. It's just something that and people got to learn IT skills as well. I can't tell you 
Uh, people don't know IT skills are going to be left behind just the way it is. 825 on a Tuesday. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget that the bad weather starts moving in at noon, but the snow doesn't come until later on this evening. Stay with us. We've got more for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Sarah and Dixie, I got about 90 seconds here. So, Sarah, let me ask you, and, and same thing with you, Dixie. If somebody's out there, they've heard this, they want to help, they want to volunteer, how do they get hold, hold of you? So the easiest thing, if you're wanting to get involved, is to check out the Adult Learning Alliance of Arkansas, which is at ArkansasLiteracy.org, and then you can find out the contact information to your local council on that web page. You can learn the facts for the whole state. You can get involved at the state level if you'd like. Um, but it has a interactive directory map to find Dixie or Garland County or wherever you are. Or if there's not one, there's a follow-up of who you can contact about um, maybe maybe getting involved in, and getting one going in your area. <laughs> Dixie, you got 30 seconds. Anything you want to add? No, just, I mean, like Sarah said, the best way, we have our own website, but the best way is to go to the ArkansasLiteracy.org site because that gives you the contact for everybody in the state since we're not just local areas. And call your representatives and and offer your support for this bill, especially if you're in an unserved county. Okay, Bill, the bill is what number? We don't have a number yet. It's okay. in production. Make sure that <laughs> you let me know. Way. All right. Time for uh, Sean Hannity. Let's get to him. It's the Dave Ellswick Show live from the Capitol on 1011 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you live at the Capitol, the Dave Ellswick Show. Got a little bit of time to ourselves here. Hope you enjoyed that last interview uh, with the adult literacy people. Some very, very sobering statistics that we heard during the uh, the segment with them. Uh, did about a about a 30-minute interview and was well worth our time to sit down and listen uh, this is that's something that I wonder if that and I didn't get a chance to ask the ladies this I didn't get asked Dixie or or Sarah this question but I wonder if adult literacy can somehow be folded in to education a little bit um, I know it wouldn't be you know elemental education or high school education but somewhere in between uh, you know coming out of high school and getting into college uh, with a lot of these folks that are, are, are graduating uh, from high schools and can't read uh, are going to need some assistance. And maybe they're not going on to college. Uh, if they can't read, they're probably having problems and are not going to go to college. But uh, you've got junior colleges, you've got community colleges, and uh, this is something that needs to be addressed. There's just no doubt about that. When you've got one out of six people in this state that can't read um, at, a, at a level that they can, you know, fill out a job application, you need some help. Now, ask me the question, what do we need to do to, you know, light a fire under somebody's, you know, rear end to, to want to learn to read? I'm at a loss. We're going to have to talk to other to specialists about that. There's, you know, to, to, to make that happen. I, I would think that churches could get involved with this as well. I know that, you know, Tony Evans, you've heard about Tony Evans. You've heard, uh, you know, some other uh, great preachers. And at their churches, they uh, they get out and, and they talk about this uh, to the people who come to their churches and, 
tell them how important it is uh, and, and talk to them how, how important it is from a spiritual level so that you can read the word so that you can understand what's in the word and uh, and hear what the Lord is saying to them and things of that nature. I would think that that's a place that could be uh, used to, to address uh, these type of things. So anyway, uh, again, uh, if you have information or you want information about it, you go and talk to the adult literacy people about that, and they'll, they'll help you out with that. I'm looking at some of my, my uh, uh, cards here, business cards. And uh, if you're up in White County in the Searcy area, it's whitecountyliteracy at gmail.com. You can send uh, Dixie uh, an email there and talk to her. She's located at 411 North Spruce Street. And then uh, Sarah Richardson, who's the executive uh, director of the Literacy Council of Garland County, uh, can help you. You just write to her at uh, director at literacycouncilgarlandcounty.org, and you can get a hold of her. Maybe, maybe you're retired. You can read well. You want to help other people learn to read well. Uh, you know, give them some of your time and, uh, and help and, uh, you know, make a difference in someone else's, uh, someone else's uh, life. The answer. So I've got you caught up on the weather. I think that you understand if you're going to northwest Arkansas today, it's going to be nasty up there. And it's going to just get progressively nastier all through the day. So uh, st- stay out of that area if, unless you absolutely, you know, have to. You know, that's, that's no problem. I'm looking at one of my favorite peoples coming over. State uh, Representative Mary Bentley's here. Mary, how are you? I'm great, Dave. How are you doing? I'm going to bring you up on the microphone there so we can hear you real good. We had a really good interview just a moment ago with some folks from the Adult Literacy Council uh, here in uh, in Arkansas. Did you know that one out of six Arkansans cannot read? I do because I was listening to you on the way in this oh, morning. Oh, were you? That, that was, <laughs> so, that that was, was kind yeah. of a sad program sure. as I listened yeah. to it. Yeah, you know, and then and then I was kind of surprised when they said, "Well, they really hadn't come to talk to you all." And I said, "I was just thinking, well, if you want more money, you need to come and talk yeah. to the legislature." Well, you know, we're here just to really do deal with a host of issues, right? I think it's a great, um, a great position that we have to be able to just get education out there. A lot of things that we do just to highlight what's going on across our state. So it's really good for you as an opportunity for them to get their message out today. And a speech test to see what we can do on each one of our counties because we all want to help our districts. So we'll be happy to help what we can do in each of our counties specifically to make a difference. All right. So I uh, have to tell Mary that uh, it looks like uh, State Senator Gary Stubblefield is under the weather today. He will not join us uh, today about uh, Senate Bill 43. I hope he gets back in time because it's it's going to the well of the Senate today. I don't think it's going to have any problem passing. Uh, with that, I mean, I've, I've been seeing the, uh, the drag queen people showing up at the Capitol. And they're saying that you're going to take their livelihoods away. I read a large story today on Channel 11's website about how they said they weren't going to be able to have uh, the Miss Drag Queen or whatever contest that they just had and it just finished up uh, again because of this piece of legislation. I don't see where this piece of legislation keeps that from happening again. Not, not at all, Dave. This bill is not anti-anything. We're not anti 
anything that's going on, we're just protecting children. The whole bill is about protecting our kids. We've been doing it for decades, right? We've kept our kids out of strip clubs, out of bars. The whole thing is about protecting children. It's really my focus this whole session is what can we do to protect our kids, and that's really what it's about, is what, keeping sexual illicit things away from our children. And, you know, those folks need to realize they push the envelope, right? We have family-friendly drag shows that I've seen that are very unfriendly. From what I've looked at, things I don't want my children or my grandchildren to see. So the whole thing is protecting our children. That's what the bill is about. You have to look at the bill very clear. I think it was a very straightforward bill that we did, very simple and clear. We're just adding drag queens that have explicit sexual content to be away from our kids. Pure and simple. It's just protecting children. It's not anti-anything. So let me ask this question of you because I can't get a straight answer from anyone on this, <laughs> all right? When do schools think it was smart to bring drag queens into the school system. You know, I think we saw a real pushback. When we saw the pushback, we did in favor, but we can see the people in Arkansas are not in favor. I mean, I've heard it, you know, when I would go door to door, you know, my district, it's a very conservative district. And when I was campaigning for this in the, during the primary, I just heard it over and over. Can we please stop the sexual grooming of our children? Can we get back to educating our kids? So I'm so excited about this session. The things that we're going to do for Arkansas are huge. The tra- really, we're just transforming education in our state, things we've been needing to do for a long time. And there's a whole host of issues that we're working on. I get, I get so many emails, well, why don't you focus on something else? Well, you know what? We're focusing on thousands of things this session, and we're mm. more than able to do so. We've got some great legislators here with lots of different things we're looking at. But my focus this session is protecting our children. This is one of many bills that I'm filing out there to keep our kids safe. Now, there's three things specifically that Sarah said she wanted to do in the session. One, education. Mm-hmm. About it's about the kids. Sure. She says kids, that right? I heard that there was a meeting, and somebody brought up the question: well, What about the superintendents and the person who was the facilitator, and one of her staff held up their hands and said, "We're not talking about superintendents. We're talking about the kids." And that's really important that people understand that they're talking about the kids and not yeah. superintendents. And secondly. Uh, you know, she wants to get rid of the income tax. I think mm-hmm. she's been real sure. clear about that. And third, something that I know Tim Griffin is interested in, you guys are going to have to deal with prisons. Yeah, well, crime, the whole issue of crime, Dave. Yeah. When I went, I was just amazed when I was out there in Slane County, different parts of the district, that I meant how many, how many driveways had a locked gate. There's just crime. It's crime is everywhere. We have so many issues in our district that cannot be addressed because our, our county jails are full. They're full because of prison. We have, don't have enough prison space. So it's just a backlog. I can talk to all of my county sheriffs and to the uh, mayors and to the chiefs of police everywhere, and it's just stifling us from doing anything about the crime situation. And our children are suffering. Our families are suffering. We've got to make that a huge priority. So I think we can do all of those things. I think we're all on board working together and just the best way to make it happen. So what are some of the things that we've got to look at besides just building prisons? I mean, I, I'm all about incarcerating people that can't play nice in the society. I'm all, right. I'm all about You know that. Sure. I'm all sure. about that. But there's got to be other ways of dealing with people that, for whatever reason, don't see a way to be productive citizens. Right. Well, I think we have to do a, a host of things, right? It's, not, it's all convoluted, not one answer. So I think we've got to do a better job in our prisons and our community corrections. I've talked to a lot of people that are in the, the programs that we have for, for help dealing with addicts, you know, with drug addiction, those kind of things in prison are not working. They're not working. So we've got to do more individualized things, even be more Christ-based things, I think, that have shown that really work. Let's get those in our county corrections and our prisons do a better job of training those folks that are in there. But also, we've got to make it tougher on them. You know, we've got to make it that they're, when they realize that in Arkansas, if you do some crime, you're going to spend some time. Because right now, they're not. They're spending six of their term. They know they can get in and out. You know, it's just... uh, 
anyway. Yeah, they don't want to spend, you don't want their time spent in prison to be a happy time. Right, and to be a revolving door coming in and out. Yeah, so it's not, that's not the situation. So we've got to make it where they, they know if they get in trouble, they're going to be there for a while. We're doing a lot in our communities. We spend quite a bit of money on folks that want to, that want to get help. But until you want to get help, you're not, I, I can't do, I can it's not going to do a bit of good until you're ready to make a change in your life. There's nothing I can do, but we need to make sure that things that are available. And I know that in my district and everywhere, there are opportunities available for folks to get some help that want to get some help. But we've got to make them understand that uh, in Arkansas, when you get in trouble, you're going to spend some time. All right. We're going to talk more about this in the next hour. I want to discuss this. I asked her to come in the 9 o'clock hour. She, she, she happened to move along in front of me. Uh, here in the end of the eight o'clock hour, so we, we went ahead and grabbed her and, and put her on the air. Our guest is uh, State Representative Mary Bentley. How many how many uh, years now have you been serving? I'm in starting the term? my ninth year. The ninth year. Yeah, fantastic. Term, so, yeah. All right, good. Yep. Just waiting until, until somebody uh, makes room for you for the Senate. You know, I'm just really, really happy where I'm at. I, you know, everybody says that to me. They've got uh, three times the amount of constituents, and I don't say they get any more pay or anything. And I, I worked really hard to get my new district. So for right now, I'm very happy in District 54 to serve the folks that I've been elected to serve. Okay, so you talk to me here. We got about three minutes, and then we got to take a break. You tell me uh, about uh, the women in here in the Republican Party. The last session that I covered, which is uh, before COVID. You all made some huge strides here in, this, in the uh, capital. You looking to make those strides again? Oh, we are. We're going to start meeting this week. We have some great new Republican uh, women that are here in the House. Um, I've just Hope Duke. We've got Mindy. We've got so many new folks here that are D. Hodges. I don't want to miss anybody's name. Just some women that are strong, intelligent, uh, courageous women. We're going to make some good strides. We're just everybody's just getting settled in. We're going to get together, make some good things. That we're working together. We're already filing some bills because we want to keep things moving. But we're definitely working together. Somebody that I am um, looking forward to having on my show is Rob Robin Lundstrom. Uh, and uh, two sessions ago, and the session before that, I, uh, I I said on the air she was my person for being the best conservative here in the mm-hmm. capital because she. She is, and you are the same way. You're not afraid to take the, the hits, the punches that come with mm-hmm. some of this legislation that you bring forth. Robin and I came in together. We've been great friends. We've, uh, we're here to support each other, and she's a strong conservative. I, I don't have to worry. I don't have to text Robin Lundstrom. I can yeah, you know where she's at. I, it's a, it'd be a waste of my time. So, you know, there's those that I know that are, there's others that, you know. And when you're new, I think people need to understand this. We need to support each other, encourage each other. So Robin's someone I've never never had to waste my time on a text. Just give her a list of people to contact for me. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. What's so, I mean, you've got this about uh, bathrooms. That's what, uh, 1156? 1156, is that right? yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm already starting to memorize them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, how, how is that moving forth? I'm still doing great. I've got the support of, of our governor and of our new secretary of education. Did some work with them on that to make it good. I'm, I'm, exci- I'm so excited about our, what things are going on here and our new governor and all things that are going on. So I've been talking to committee members, working with them. And, you know, I, I've get, I brought it from my school board. You know, the school boards in my district and the superintendents are very much in They want some that. cover, don't they? They do want some cover, and they want some great they want some state policies they can get behind and not have to, you know, when, the, when a small school and a small district tries to put out there, they're just attacked. And they don't have the time and the effort. They want to focus on educating children. They don't have to fight the ACLU and all that mess. Right. That's what we're here for, right? Set good state policy to give them some cover, and that's why I'm running it, the bill. Well, we're going to take a break here from the uh, the Capitol. Then we'll come back and we'll talk further uh, with State Representative Bentley. And uh, I'm going to get about 
five or six minutes. I can sit and just uh, catch up with her and see how things have been going. So Dave Ellswick show live at the Capitol. We'll be here till 11 today. Stick around. More coming your way. Don't forget, on Thursday, my co-host is going to be Dallas Green here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're at the uh, Capitol. I'm on the third floor house side. That's where I'm located at. So if you happen to be coming over here to see your legislative uh, representative, uh, your senator, your rep, whatever, uh, stop by. Say hi. I'm always looking forward. Might even put a microphone in front of you and see where uh, your thoughts are at. So uh, Dave Ellswick Show is open to everybody. And uh, I've got one of my favorite people from the legislature here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and, and that, of course, is State Representative Mary Bentley. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pat myself on the back a little bit here because I talked her into running, and then she got beat. And then I said, don't give up. Yeah. Run again. Yeah. You're going to win the next time. Run again. And she did, and she's been here ever since. And you're a real valuable addition to what's going on here. In the, in the state legislature. Well, you know, I think running two times a day made me realize who, who brought me here. It wasn't anybody, wasn't any special interest group. It was my constituents that got me here. And I have a chance to really go door-to-door. I spent a lot of time, every time I've run, go door-to-door, just visit with folks. Where are you at? What's important to you? And that's really why I brought the bills that I brought forth this time with SB 43 and HB 11. Uh, 46, excuse me, is because our constituents are concerned. We protect our children. We protect our children from, you know, we don't let our children go into bars. We don't let them go into strip clubs. We don't want our kids exposed to sexual explicit material. And it's really all the bill is about is protecting children. It's not anti-anybody or anything. It's protecting our children and making, you know, we don't want those kids exposed to those things. There's so much going on. I'm not the only bills. There'll be a lot more bills. This is not the end all by any means of stopping pornography in front of our children. It's just one step in keeping our kids safe. Okay, so you got to be really happy with uh, the governor. Because the governor said that this session was going to be about kids. Yes. And, and she's kept her word about yeah. that because right out of the basket, she's, she's gotten, uh, got, got started on this. How are, how's the caucus reacting to the universal school choice that she wants to do? You know, I think it's the whole thing that um, the governor's bringing forth is a transformation of our education. It's just not one thing, right? School parents have parental empowerment is very important for parents to choose what's best for their kids and put their kids in the best environment for children to be successful. So it's not this is not one thing where we have a good education bill that's going to cover a lot of aspects to make education better in our state, no matter where the child goes to school. And that's what we want. We want more choice. We want competition. You know, the competition brings better things, and our kids deserve a better education. And different things in uh, different parts of the state, things are going to work in my district that are not not going to work in other districts so we're going to have things that are you know i put forth agricultural schools there's a lot of different things that we can do to make it better for our students and that's what that's what it's about and i am i'm encouraging my school boards to think outside the box what what good things could you do at your school that no one else can do let's do some bring innovative things and i've got some school even in plainview arkansas they've got some simulators there for their students to come in or be certified to drive a forklift and a number of different things for them to leave that school and go to work the next week so they're doing innovative things there for students so that's what we want to do let's just Let's all work together. This is not one against the other. We all work together. So I see some real thing. I think I see a new, a new atmosphere, a new energy in our caucus that I haven't seen in a long time. I'm really excited that we can all work together. We're not all going to get everything we want. That's never the way it is. But we're going to get some, all get some good things, and we're going to make our state better. This is going to be a historic session. I have no doubts about that. Well, here's what I don't understand: is why people want to keep this. For I had a person come up and talk to me the day that we had the rally here last Thursday. Right. And they said, I can get into school choice, but only in the public schools. And I said, why? I said, if you do it so well, what are you afraid for some competition? Sure. 
And uh, they, they didn't have an answer to that. Right. They had no answer whatsoever. It just seems to me, I, I shop at Walmart because they typically have everything that I want. But every once in a while, I got to go over to Kroger or I got to go to Harps to be able to, to. I shouldn't be told, well, Dave, you can only go over there if they're in your zip code. Right. No, I think it's you know, I, the more I talk to schools, the more that they're understanding. If they're doing a great job, they can be able to get students from around their community, people that want to be there, right? People, that, parents that are, are going to be engaged and involved and making good things happen in their school. I think it's going to be really, again, I want to keep using the word transformation because it is. It's going to really transform education in our state, and it needs to be. It has, needs to has be. Has Oliva come and talk to? Have, has he come and talk to the uh, the caucus? Not to the caucus yet. He's just actually today's. I mean, yesterday was the first day he's really back to full time in the in the state. He'll oh, be. Really? He's, yeah, okay. he's been. He's going to be in the House Education Committee when I bring eleven fifty six. He and cool. I have talked on the phone together about it. I, we're so blessed to have him here in our state. I'm really excited. about oh, he's, he's walked do. through this yeah. already. Yeah, and he's been there. And again, and I'm even bringing forth another bill. Every child a swimmer just to decrease drowning in our state. And Florida put that forth last session, so he'll be already there. He's already done it in. Florida. Florida, we can bring it forth here because I want less people drowning in our state, more people swimming. There's a lot of different things that we could do. Like we said with literacy, our position is really to get education out there just to, just to highlight what's going on in our state and how can we make it better. Oh, how can we all work together to make it better? And that's really what we're going to do. Well, I had those ladies on uh, in the last uh, hour, and they said something that just rattled me. And sure. they said that people that can only read at, at less than a fourth grade level and they said, well, they can go get their GED. They don't need a GED. they got a high school diploma. Now, how do you get a high school diploma if you can't read? I have no answer for that question. That's why we need to transform education in Arkansas. Yeah, that's I mean, that's you. So, scary. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's, you know, some, we've, you know, things were, we were in trouble, but COVID made it worse, right? How we reacted yeah. to COVID made it worse. And I think it really highlighted but things that we need to fix. COVID so, but let people it, see sure. how bad sure. it was. Ex- exactly. Right. Expose what was going on. Yeah. So now we can make some. So now, you know, we ha- you have to know what's going, what the problems are, if, or you can't fix them. So we've uh, we've isolated the problems. We see what the problems, we see what we need to fix, and we're all work together to make it happen. So I'm excited about fresh new ideas. And you know what? We made to come back next session and tweak things a bit, but that's what we do. Well, you, so we've got, we got to make some changes. Have to. Sure. Sure. Some things may yeah, work really, right. really well. Some things might have kind of a sputtering effect sure. you can fix those things exactly right people think we we set something in statute we can't ever fix it every time we come to session we're fixing something we did last time well, so you know and that's what, what it's about what we can't do mary is keep doing the same stuff that's exactly. not working no status quo is not acceptable anymore in this it's state not working. No, it's not and you've Sarah proven it right there that. with literacy it's not working yeah it's, it's not, not working it our is scores not aren't working there no and our student and our, our children deserve better our taxpayers deserve better and i'm excited about the difference we're going to make well we sure. always talk on my show about ROI, you know, return exactly. on investment. Sure. Exactly if, right. if, if 61 cents of every state dollar is being used on education, I expect a good ROI on that. Exactly right. And you should. And we should expect that. You know, we've worked hard for those. I don't know about you, but I worked pretty hard for the tax dollars I've sent in. Yeah. And I want them to be used wisely. Now, you know, that as, a, as a small business owner, I think, you know, I spend quite a bit on taxes, every, and I really want that to be used wisely and i don't want people just sitting around and not doing anything and not getting anything accomplished so it's just time to make it effective and i think sarah's going to do a great job on that at cutting back on what we're spending and make things more efficient and more effective and i'm you know I, i'm all about that all right nine thirteen. i only got you for about 17 minutes because i know you got things you got to do uh let's talk about this whole thing of 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 education in the caucus how are you feeling the caucuses is responding to this are they willing to make the changes or are they are they willing to look at their superintendents and say we can't 
continue to do the way it's been going? I think we're having, when you have strong leadership leading the way like our governor is, it gives us the ability to get the education we need, to understand what we're going to do to fix things, and all work together. And I do feel very good that our caucus is going to be definitely behind this education reform. Okay. Well, so. I'm excited. I, I've heard that the bill has basically been crafted. You guys are just kind of tweaking it here and there and getting it ready to, to, to roll it out. Let's talk about your bills. You, know, you got one dealing uh, you're a co-sponsor with uh, State Senator Gary Stubblefield. That's about uh, the, the the drag queen bill. That they're going to vote on that in the Senate today, from what I understand. And then you have one dealing with bathrooms. Your right. where your biological sex mm-hmm. determines where you go and uh, go to the bathroom at, right. at the schools. I want to talk about a, a point that a lot of people don't think about superintendents school boards and schools themselves don't want to have to be dealing with this crap so they need guidance from you all that says you don't have to here's here's what we're saying schools have to do here in the state of arkansas so you take that off of their shoulders so exactly right that's why i brought filed the bill i was school board members came to me and asked me would you please run this bill school board members school board members came to me and asked me would you please run this bill and i visited with all my superintendents before school started what things do we need to talk to and they do exactly want us to set state policy so that they can focus on educating students and not having to worry about this because we know you know what happens here today when we're trying and push back in any way about the woke agenda the woke culture wants to just you know annihilate us you know we're prepared for it here let's handle it here and let's make our our allow our school boards and our superintendents to focus on educating students and not have to deal with that mess and that's really what the bill's about it's very simple young girls need to go into bathroom with young girls and young boys need to go bathroom with young boys now we do have some students that are dealing with some issues let them have a private place to go and everybody's safe and everybody's taken care of and that's pure and simple what the bill's about and we've got great support i don't see any problems with this bill why is that so hard for people to get their hands around ah because some people just uh have their feelers out constantly think we're constantly attacking them, you know, just ignoring the fact of what happened in Virginia. When we have a young boy who, you know, uh, twice he was a girl, twice, same young boy, goes and, and rapes a girl. I'm sorry, young girls that have been sexually assaulted do not need to come to school and worry about who's going to be in the bathroom with them. That is totally unfair to those girls. They can't fo- they need to focus on their education and get in good, strong education and feeling very safe at school. They should not have to worry about what's going on in the bathroom, period. Look at the bathroom. It's just common sense. What about yeah. what about the locker room? Sure, same thing. The locker room and overnight visits. It's all it's all addressed in this bill. Very very strong common sense bill to take care of our students, and they need to be able to be safe. And we can't just let woke culture. Uh, you know, we've we've allowed them to push so far. And I've told you when I went when I went door to door and I told people I'm on their vote. I promised them that I would fight against this woke this woke agenda and this culture that's pushing on our students. And that's exactly what I'm doing. We're getting some common sense bills to take care of our kids and keep them safe in school. All right, State Representative Mary Bentley, I'm going to have her for one more segment. We've got to get a break in. Let's do that live from the Capitol. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, third floor, house side. No telling who might show up during the course of a broadcast. Just never know. Maybe the governor will stop by sometime. I'm sure would be happy to talk to her. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay with us. We've got more coming your way. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, 20 minutes after 9 on a Tuesday. We'll be back here on Thursday. We'll be here until 11 o'clock. Thursday, be back at 7. And my uh, special co-host is going to be Dallas Green. She'll join me for the four hours I'm on the air. The next Tuesday, my special guest will be one of my favorite guys uh, who I've worked with uh, for many, many years. In fact, got him involved in, 
in uh, politics. Nick Horton will join yeah. me on the Dave Ellswick Show. I got a lot of friends <laughs> in this state now. I really, really do. I, I got to get Josh Mesker back mm-hmm. on and talk to him and see how things are going with him. I hadn't heard from Christian. Do you know what's going on with Christian? Is he, I, he worked with Asa. Who, what's he doing now? Paul, Paul's here. Go ahead. Well, um, so actually, Christian Olson's kind of getting into real estate a little bit. Oh, is he? And, um, so I kind of helped him look at, look at some houses a while back. Um, I did see him walk into the Capitol the other day. He may be looking for a little bit of a, a gig here. I don't know. So we'll see what, he's, what he comes up Politics with. Politics in your blood, you can't get yeah, it out. He's, he's I'm just telling a, you, man. It's like yeah. radio. Yeah, he's kind of a, a, a what, do you, what do we call him, a wonk? Yeah, a well. A political wonk. It's like I tell people, radio's not a vocation, it's an avocation. If you're getting in it for the money, you're getting in it for the wrong reason. And I've, I just love doing, doing what we do. So let, let's talk about the, the Senate Bill 43, which is going up in front of the Senate today. Uh, big story on the website for Channel 11. I, I was really surprised that they didn't call you or call Gary or somebody to find out what you thought about what was being said by the uh, the Drag Queen Association or whatever, because they have some big big deal over Robinson, and they're saying now that Robinson maybe doesn't want to do it because they're afraid that your bill will make it uh illegal or whatever you i'll let you and they they talked about how much money they bring into the city and whatnot i'll let you just go ahead and tell me what you think about well, that thanks dave for the opportunity you know for people i've got emails too saying what it's going to be a negative impact economically on arkansas if we pass this bill again this bill is not anti anything it's just protecting children from illicit sexual material just like we've done with like drag with uh, strip clubs or with bars or the same thing so it's not going to affect that at all now i think people need to look at what happened to disney when disney went woke you know they're they lost a little bit of money there four uh, billion dollars there you lost. go so people you know people are it's not it's not accurate and if, i would like to look at the tale of two cities i'll say look at eureka springs versus branson missouri you know branson missouri went the god-fearing uh family-friendly route they're exploded economically last year uh, in 2021 in the right after the pandemic they brought in 17 million dollars worth of tourism tax to the state of missouri and they had 10 million visitors you know 40 years ago branson missouri and eureka springs had the same population really Just look, look at them now this is really so so where's eureka eureka went the opposite route they went the purient route when they had you know Christ of the Ozarks and the Passion Play there, they could have really gone a different route, like Branson and being exploding, but instead they're losing population. They're not bringing anywhere near, like I think it was 750000 they brought in in tourism tax versus 10 million, I mean 17 million. I mean, it's a huge difference. So to say this is going to negatively impact us financially, it's just it's not true. There's no basis. There's nothing to found that on at well, all. People this want is to Arkansas do things with their families. Sure. Yeah, that's what it's about. I mean, and I and we're not stopping anything what adults that... want to do. We're not stopping anything an adult wants to do. We're simply protecting our children. This is not anti-anything it's pro-children and protecting our kids and you know what i think branson has showed us that's a huge impact positively financially as well yeah well i agree with that what happened to the passion play did they just go under no they're still operating but again if that had support there and had other things around there for folks to come and do for family i think it would explode it i you know my children have been there we've been there numerous times my folks live just 17 miles from there but you know eureka's losing population there their population has decreased so i mean it's Again, family-friendly things sell. It's a good positive economic impact. We're not hurting anything at all. So we're not stopping any adults from doing anything adults choose to do at all. So. Okay, well, as I've listened to you, what I'm excited about is that school board members came to you and said, hey, we need something about this bathroom thing. It's, sure. You know, 
uh, we need some cover from the state legislature, and you're going to give that to them. Right. You know, with all the FOI what I've heard, stuff nobody was, else yeah. has given no. you any guff about this. No, no. It's just trying to – we don't want to distract them. We want them to be able to take care of our children and teach our kids. And it's a huge distraction when they're attacked uh, continually. They're FOI'd on everything they do. They can't even take their time and spend their – their finances and their time and focus on school children and making sure they have a great education for kids and that's what we want to do give them some cover let them do what they need to do and not focus on unnecessary things okay not enough want uh, aclu and all the rest of what is it human rights commission or whatever the, you know why, why don't the, we why don't they care about kids i want to know why they don't care about children and keeping kids safe What's wrong with that? Because their view of taking care of kids is totally different yeah. than yours and mine, Mary. Just, yeah. I mean, it really, really <laughs> well, is. Well, you know, when people want to teach uh, masturbation to kindergartens, I guess you're right, Dave. Yeah, you know, I got problems we're not, we're not with on that. that. One. No. no. It's, we're going to keep our kids safe. And thank you for the time. Thank you for being the Appreciate voice that you've you. been in Arkansas. I can't tell you what you've uh, you've been a huge impact of my political career. Thank you for the chance to talk. Keep on doing it. So uh, let me know if I can be of any other help. Anytime. The microphone is always open to Mary Bentley. You know that. All right. Thanks so much. God bless you. God bless Arkansas. All right. We'll see you later. All right. We've got about 26 minutes after nine. Uh, Let's talk about who we might have on yet uh, today. I know Mark Johnson, State Senator Mark Johnson, is going to come by uh, at 10 o'clock today. I'm looking forward to talking to him, see what he has to say. Uh, about the uh, the session as uh, you heard from brian king early today uh, he came walking by and i didn't even recognize him he lost so much weight so uh, we we sat and talked and he said that uh, you know things getting off to a little slow start but i'm going to tell you what it won't take long when the bills start flying around like really really fast and trying to keep up with it i i promise you as soon as i can uh our new uh uh, basic you know, director of education here for the state of Arkansas. Uh, we're going to get him on and talk to him. I want to get Gretchen Conyer on uh, from uh, Arizona as well. Uh, we did a lot of talking about Arizona on last Thursday uh, for the simple reason that, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the new uh, governor of, uh, of Arizona is going to fight against school choice now. And uh, they talked about how uh, they they may fight against it, but they're going to lose. So uh, we we've got so many different states that have done school choice now that we've got good information that shows that it works. School choice works, and universal school choice really works, and. You know, I'll get Ryan Norris back on. I'll get Lori Lee back on here. I'll get, I can get countless people to come in and tell you about this and why it works and how it continues to work and uh, how excited I am that we're going to have it work. And I, uh, Because I like to answer questions. I mean, I get questions from people that ask me about rural schools, and I can get people on to talk about rural schools. Rural schools flourish under school choice and there's a reason why uh, many rural schools are small they 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 need to be able students need to be able to use perhaps from this school uh, let's say that's eight miles away maybe they've got a chemistry lab and a chemistry class and they got some room in that chemistry class why shouldn't that child not be able to go from 
the school where they're at that doesn't have chemistry to go to the school that does have chemistry because they got money from the state that the state uh, you know gives to the schools uh, to, to take care of them. Why shouldn't you be able to carry some of that money over to another school and say, here, I'm going to give that this to you all so that uh, I can come over here and I can learn chemistry, that I can sit here in a, in a real chemistry lab and, you know, I can weigh moles and I, you, can, you can teach me how to, how to balance chemical equations and things of that nature. All of that will become possible under school choice. All right, we've got to get a break in. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk further as we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM. The answer. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, sometimes I like to look around the country and see what kind of legislation they're proposing just to see how crazy the left really is. Well, in California, which you know already uh, is as left as they almost can be, they decided to go even further left. Uh, California lawmakers are pushing legislation that's going to impose a new tax on the state's wealthiest residents. Even though, now here's the difference, because this has been embraced before to try to get it passed and they couldn't, even if they've already moved to another part of the country. That's right, the, the tax is going fo- to follow you like some kind of disease. Assemblyman Alex Lee, a progressive Democrat, last week introduced a bill in the California state legislature that would impose an extra annual 1.5% tax on those with a worldwide net worth, uh, and that's in uh, parentheses. I'm not sure exactly what worldwide net worth means. Uh, above $1 billion, starting as early as uh, next January. Then as early as 2026, the threshold for being taxed would drop. Those with a worldwide net worth exceeding $50 million would be hit with a 1% annual tax on wealth, while billionaires would still be taxed at 1.5%. Worldwide wealth extends beyond annual income to include diverse uh, holdings such as farm assets, arts and other collectibles, stocks, and hedge fund interests. The legislation is a modified version of a wealth tax approved in the California Assembly in 2020, which the Democratic-led state Senate declined to pass. The current version just introduced includes measures to allow California to impose wealth taxes on residents even years after they left the state and moved uh, elsewhere. Think about that now. If you've moved over here to Arkansas, you're from California, you're trying to get away from uh, their tax system, it's going to follow you. Think about what that means for Texas uh, and, and other states where people have run as fast as they can out of uh, California, and California is going to still try to tax them. The bill also includes provisions to create contractual claims tied to the assets of a wealthy taxpayer who doesn't have the cash to pay their annual wealth tax bill because most of their assets aren't easily turned into liquid assets. This claim would require the taxpayer to make annual filings with California's 
franchise tax board and eventually pay the wealth taxes owed even if they've moved to another state. This is insane. I don't, I don't see how this can, can sta- stand uh, under our Constitution. California was one of several blue states last week to unveil bills to impose new wealth taxes. The other states were Connecticut, Hawaii, Illinois, Maryland, Minnesota, New York, and Washington. Each state's proposal contained a different tax approach, but they all centered around the same basic idea. The uh, rich must pay more. Lee's office didn't respond to a request for comment for the story. Uh, However, he's made public statements echoing the message that wealthier residents should pay higher taxes. The working class, he says, has uh, shouldered the tax burden for too long. That's not true. Take a go, go find out who's paying the most taxes in the country. You'll find out it's the wealthiest individuals in this country. Uh, the ultra-rich are paying little to nothing by hoarding their wealth through assets. Time to end that, unquote. According to Lee, the tax would affect about one-tenth of percent of California households and generate an additional $21.6 billion in state revenue which would go to the state's general fund. Of course, it goes to the general fund because then the uh, politicians can waste that money in whatever way they see fit. California has among the highest taxes of any state in the, in, uh, the USA. Advocates argue that the money would boost funding for schools, always. They always say it's going to boost schools, housing, and other social programs. Perhaps most importantly, however, Lee hopes it would help address California's massive budget deficit, which stands at $22.5 billion. Quit spending the money. You want to bring down your deficit? Quit spending your money on every Tom, Dick, and Harry program that you've got. Quote, this is how we can keep addressing our budgetary issue, uh, issue, Issues, he told the L.A. Times, basically, we could plug the entire hole. Just hearing that is scary because they want to bring it down to a billion dollars in two years. How low will they go to come and follow you uh, if you leave California and continue to tax you? However, experts counter that the bill will have the exact opposite effect to high administrative costs and by causing an exodus of people to flee the state. Quote, it brings significant administrative challenges with respect to asset and liability valuation, high and distortionary effective rates, uh, among other problems that make it an inefficient revenue source. That's from Gordon Gray, director of the fiscal policy at the American Action Forum, uh, and he told that to Fox News. Others echoed this point, also arguing a new wealth tax would likely lead many wealthy residents to leave California. Quote, the proposed California wealth tax would be economically destructive, challenging to administer, and would drive many wealthy residents and all their current tax payments out of the state. That's according to the vice president of state uh, projects at Tax Foundation. The bill sets aside as much as $660 million per year just to run the program. 
$660 million just to run the program. More than 40000 per productive taxpayer, giving an idea of how difficult such a tax would be to administer. People are already moving from high-tax states into low-tax ones, according to a recent analysis by James Doty, president at uh, Emerus, an economics professor at Chapman University. He found that the 10 highest tax states lost nearly 1 in 100 residents in net domestic migration between July of 21 and July of 22, while the 10 lowest tax states gained almost 1 in 100. California lawmakers pushing the wealth tax think they can get around the problem of residents leaving by trying to tax people even after they leave the state, said Patrick Gleason, vice president of state affairs at Americans for Tax Reform. However, he, Gray, and uh, Walzak all questioned the legality, and that's what I just said at the very beginning of this, of such an approach, or they labeled it outright un. Constitutional. Past studies have shown that the top 1% of taxpayers pay about 50% of state income taxes in New York, California, and elsewhere, raising the question of how damaging a mass exodus of wealthy residents would be to tax revenue. Walchak noted that a wealth tax would be especially problematic for California, joking that the people most excited about such a law should be the people in Texas where some high-profile Californians now have relocated in recent years. Quote, a wealth tax could be particularly destructive in California, home to so many tech startups, because the owners of promising businesses could be taxed on hundreds of millions of dollars worth of estimated business value that never actually materializes. Very few taxpayers would remit wealth taxes, but many taxpayers would pay the price. The only people who should genuinely love a California wealth tax are the ones who work in Texas's Economic Development Office. However, some proponents of wealth taxes argue they're necessary to combat economic inequality. Maryland Democratic Delegate uh, Wilkins, for example, has proposed a bill so that families would owe taxes on inheritances over $1 million rather than $5 million as is the state uh, case today. She said, such ideas will now gain more support after COVID uh, exposed uh, inequity between the rich and the poor. Quote, that's quite a bit of funds that we're leaving on the table, she told the Washington Post. Sure, if they can get their hands on all of your money, they will try to. That's just the way that they are. Other supporters say wealth taxes are small and the rich can afford them. But experts know that because the rates are on net worth, not on income, they have an outsized effect. Uh, Walchak illustrated the point on a recent blog post using an example of a $50 million investment held for 10 years and earning a 10% nominal annual rate of return in an environment of 3% annual inflation. Without a wealth tax, that investment would yield about $46.5 million in investment returns in current dollars. After 10 years, with a 1% wealth tax, however, it would yield only $37.3 million, I mean $9 million less, wiping out nearly 20% of the gains. Wealth taxes cut deeply into investment returns, 
to the detriment of the broader economy, wrote Walchak. Average taxpayers may not care if the ultra-wealthy have lower net worths, but they will certainly care if innovation slows and investments decline. Because without investments, you don't get new businesses that are going to build up. Keep it in mind, know that Californians and their politicians are just absolutely nuts. I'm Dave Ellswick. Got to take a break. We'll be back with more. We're at the uh, state capitol. We'll be here until 11 o'clock today. We're looking for uh, State Senator Mark Johnson coming up in about 15 minutes here on 101.1 FM, The Answer, on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm just uh, texting back Congressman Hill. He'll be on tomorrow uh, right at the very beginning of the show. We'll start off with him uh, from the, uh, the, the studio at 7.05 and talk to him about what's going on in Washington, D.C., uh, Congressman Westerman will not be with us tomorrow, and uh, we'll we'll have some different fill-ins uh, for things tomorrow. I've got a special guest that's going to come on and talk about a new movie about Fauci and how he's trying to stop it from being released because uh, it tells the full story. You'll want to hear that here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and there will be much, much more. Remember, the, sto- the show now starts at 7. We go until 11 o'clock. There's no breaks during that four hours. It's just me and you and our guests that we have here on the show and the information that you need to know to keep yourself well uh, informed of what's happening uh, in, uh, in, in politics. So uh, you know, keep, that, uh, you know, keep that in mind and uh, be ready to continue. Uh, to, to move along as uh, we are doing so. Like, uh, I know that I hadn't heard about that new wealth tax in California. And, y- you know, you might think that that's, that's not going to have a big, uh, big effect uh, for a lot of people, but it will. I mean, you heard the breakdown of the money, and as uh, several people said uh, in California uh, that are at the think tanks, that the people that are going to be happy to see this wealth tax and uh, taking and trying to take people more money from them, even after they meet, meet, uh, move out of the state. It's going to be states like Texas where they've got just a ton of people moving uh, over to uh, Texas. I mean, Tesla building a whole new plant right over there in, in the uh, Austin area. I talked about this story yesterday. Uh, let's talk about it again. That's dealing with the uh, San Francisco reparations scheme. Uh, that they're trying to get. Uh, This is a whole thing where it takes the go woke and go broke to a whole new level. Uh, The National Review uh, reporting it this way. An advisory committee's recommendation that San Francisco pay out hefty reparations to long time, and that's not, that is not uh, in any way, shape, or form defined, uh, long time black residents could cost the city at least $110 billion at even a conservative estimate. The Daily Mail reporting men and women uh, line up outside a municipal office in order to have their racial origins examined, as well as personal documents. They're going to be clutching the results of DNA tests and fading family photographs. $110 
if they can prove to the authorities that they are descended from a 19th century black slave, they will be eligible for millions of dollars of official compensation. While this may sound like something from a Black Lives Matter campaign wish list video, such a scene could become a reality in California and in other American states. Remember, they wanted to pay these folks uh, reparations of $95,000 a year over a period of 250 years. I mean, I've heard crazy cockeyed schemes before, but this is really crazy stuff. The FDA is looking to update uh, COVID vaccinations to once per year. According to NBC, Food and Drug Administration advisors will meet uh, Thursday and discuss simplifying the COVID vaccination schedule, allowing most people to get the currently available booster regardless of how many doses they have received before that. The FDA's proposal, experts say, would greatly simplify the COVID vaccination schedule in the U.S., aligning it most closely with the annual flu shot. In another similarly to the flu shot, the uh, FDA is considering whether the COVID vaccine should be updated at least once a year based on what strains are in vaccination. That according to NBC News. Uh, Out of Baltimore, Baltimore Country School District wages war on, uh, on merit. What a big surprise for the left to do. You know, if it has anything to do about succeeding, they want nothing to do with it. Uh, a battle is brewing in the Baltimore County School District in Maryland. They're currently working on the district's budget for fiscal year 2024. The proposed budget would eliminate three of the four teaching positions currently assigned to the program. Parents have pointed out that students who qualify for the program enhance their chances of being accepted to prominent universities, and one teacher is simply not enough to handle all of the qualifying students. Uh, The New York Post reporting the idea that everyone can have an equal outcome has been tried again and again in failed socialist countries. When the left succeeds in ending merit in a school, you can be sure the rest of the woke ideas parents abhor have already taken over the curriculum. Now think about what they're saying here. They're saying unless everybody can uh, show that they have learned exactly the same amount of material, that anybody else has learned that went through that, uh, uh, that you know, piece of curriculum or, or school subject, then the subject fails. The, the subject must teach everybody on the exact and get the exact same outcome. Now, I don't know about you, but I can tell you, tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that is never going to work because there's always going to be people who work harder than other people. There's always going to be people who work less hard than other people. And I don't care if you do it, do the, do the course by 
having groups, and then everybody in the group uh, gets uh, the same letter grade as uh, the best person in the group, you will not find equity, equity that way. Merit is the only way to go where a person is being, is being benefited by the amount of work that they push and put into a, uh, a school course or their work or whatever it is. So just know that this is crazy stuff. The left always comes up with something nuts. There is no way where everybody can be guaranteed, and I'm saying that's what this is all about. You can't be guaranteed to uh, have the same outcome as the person who sits in the desk next to you. It just, it's not going to work. People aren't wired that way. We are not built that way, and uh, this is just bound uh, for failure. And it's going to be just another example of the left just wasting money. All right, we got one more hour to go. Uh, we're expecting State Senator Mark Johnson to come and visit with us here on the third floor on the House side here in just a few moments. So uh, enjoy the news at the top of the hour, and then after it's over with, I'll be back with you. Uh, don't forget the weather's going to change as the day goes along. Cold rain during the early parts of the day. By later on this evening, early into tomorrow morning, snow, and uh, maybe an inch or two here in local area. But up in the northwest, 6 to 12 inches. If you're thinking about going up there, you might want to change your mind and, and change uh, when you're going to go up uh, to visit somebody in Vietnam or whatever. We'll take a final break here in the uh, 9 o'clock hour now and get ready for the 10 o'clock hour. News is next. All right, six minutes after 10. We are live at the state capitol. Uh, being a Tuesday, we'll be live here at the state capitol again on Thursday. Let me try to explain what, we, what we've done, why we're not doing it every day. Mondays are kind of slow, all right? Uh, Tuesdays, uh, everybody's here, and they're, they're starting to move, you know, uh, legislation forward. Uh, committee meetings are happening, things of that nature. Wednesday... They vote on some things at times, and when they do, I'll come and do my show on a Wednesday, too, here, when there's a big bill up. And then Thursdays, they really get back to work hard on Thursdays. Friday, everybody's trying to get back go home, and they're leaving early. That's so, right. So we figure if we did Tuesday and Thursday with some Wednesdays, we'd cover it pretty good. So that's what we're doing. At least for the time being. Yeah. I mean, when we get close to the end, we might end up here every day. It's just this way it uh, it works out as far as that's concerned. But we want to keep you, the listener, up to date on what's happening. Right now, the big bill is SB 43. That's going to be voted on today in the Senate. It went through uh, the uh, the committee yesterday. What committee did it take to get through, uh, Senator uh, Johnson? I guess, I'm, I'm honestly, I, I believe it was uh, city, county, local. That's what I would have thought. But I'm... I believe it was, yes. All right, so it flew through there. Uh, it's, uh, and now it's going to be on the floor. You guys are all going well, to vote and on it. If, as long as Senator Stubblefield's here to, to run the Yeah, bill. he's not yeah. feeling good. I'm hoping that he's well, here so they can. praying he'll be okay. He's, yeah. He's, uh, he's my seatmate. He sits to my right in the chamber, so I kind of keep up. If he's missing, I, I check on him. 
Okay, so let me. Our our guest is Mark Johnson. He's state senator here, uh, over in the Maumelle area. Don't have Maumelle anymore. Oh, you don't. What do you have? I have West Pulaski County, including okay. Ferndale, where I live, and Roland, and a little bit of the city of Little Rock, and then I go up through Mayflower and have also have the city of Conway, which oh. is my hometown. Of okay, so they did. Changed they changed it, all it around. drastically. I lost everything in Perry, uh, Conway, and Van Buren County that I had in North Faulkner County. I got to ask you, give me an honest answer, I hope. Was that because you weren't one of the favorite sons? Uh, that might be a fair presumption. <laughs> I talked to Mary about that. Mary Bentley, they cha- completely changed. Yeah, they, they, and, her. and Mary and I both prevailed. So yeah, he fantastic. Last, last, That's as right. They say. And I. Uh, well, I, hey, we'll let bygones be bygones. Yes, we will because there's a there's a new sheriff in town, Absolutely. and she's fantastic. And and Dave, let me say this about this: if you had drawn this scenario for me, I would have you know probably raised my eyebrows. But it is a tremendous honor for me to represent my hometown of Conway. And a lot of people don't know this, but. Uh, I mean, I went through school in Conway. I went to Hendricks. I'm a, I'm a Faulkner County person. My great-great-grandfather was the first county clerk of Faulkner County. Really? So I'm a fifth-generation son of Faulkner County. And I, I'm to the very idea that I would have the honor of, of filling the shoes of, of people like uh, uh, Stanley Russ is just, just a great honor. Oh, to, fantastic. To Congratulations well, for thank it. Thank you. That's really cool. That is, you know, that... There's a lot to be said about that. If I went back home, nobody would even vote for me because I'm from northwest Indiana. It's one of the last bastions in Indiana where it's blue. Mm-hmm. I mean, Visklosky and all the rest of them uh, are from northwest Indiana. And I saw that uh, another Democrat won here in in the fall of, you know, the last vote. So, uh, well, too no, many Northeast unions. In, northwest Indiana is like, like the Washington, D.C. area of Virginia. It's... It's different from the rest of the state. Well, it's it's because yeah. of the unions. The yeah. unions still yeah. have a, a foothold there, even though Indiana is a right-to-work state. You know, now. my wife is from Indiana. Where at? Uh, she grew up around Auburn and Fort Wayne. I know where those areas yeah. are Over very, to very the well. east of where you are. If, yeah. if you say Fort Wayne to me, you know what I think of? Because I'm a radio guy. Whoa, whoa. That's right. Whoa, whoa, whoa radio. One of the famous... Rock Original roll. radio stations, that's right. And yeah. That's what they were, definitely, for that. Okay, well, enough about Indiana. Yeah. Let's get back. Let's talk about Arkansas, because Arkansas uh, is going to change uh, this year. You all are going to make some, I believe, major changes to education here in Arkansas. You've got a governor who's in now who has been very, very straightforward with everybody that the status quo cannot stand any longer. That's exactly right, Dave. And I, I, it is refreshing to have someone that, uh, uh, and uh, Governor Hutchinson was a conservative, but he kind of was a poke-around-the-edges type conservative. He wasn't bold. Well, he, he was hesitant, clearly, and, and I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to, bygones are bygones. Yeah. I'm not going to jump on him, but uh, it's pretty clear that Governor Sanders has a vision Yes, and she it does. Is, it is That's bold. important. And, and, you know, leadership is about moving things forward, not just coasting and seeing which direction the wind is blowing. And she has, you know, the, the most exciting thing that happened, uh, and a lot of exciting things have happened, but I mentioned this to the Faulkner County Republican Committee last night when I spoke. 
when I saw that she had appointed uh, Dr. Oliva as the new Secretary of Education, who worked for uh, Governor DeSantis oh, in yeah. Florida, I said, this is a signal. Yes, it is. This is we are not kidding, people. Well, We're going to fix this stuff. On her administrative staff, her chief of staff is from Arizona, Gretchen Conger, and she was instrumental in getting With school Governor choice. And, yes. and, and, and Gretchen, of course, we, we were kind of expecting Gretchen to be involved because, you know, she worked, uh, she was one of the top people in, in the governor's campaign. And uh, so I'm excited. I'm, 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 uh, uh, the governor, you know, any governor, uh, any leader assembles a staff. Yeah. And uh, the, the people that Governor Sanders has brought in uh, are excellent. And uh, I, I'm, across the board, I mean, they've just, they're, they're already engaged with the General Assembly, much more so than I've seen the last four years. And, of course, Governor Hutchinson was in eight years, but I've had four years in the Senate. And, and we hear from these people. They come talk to us. We, they sit down in our offices. Uh, we're working together on, on these things. And that's, that's a process thing. But you can't dismiss that because, you know, we have a finite period of time. We've got about four months to, to get these things done in this session. And the fact that we have uh, an engaged uh, group of people, we have talented people like Dr. Oliva and, 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 and Gretchen Conger from out of state. We have uh, super people from Arkansas. Uh, the chief legislative liaison is uh, uh, Jamie Barker, who's a longtime friend of mine and uh, Worked with me at the Pulaski County Republican Committee, so we're great golfer. He, yeah, he is a great golfer, <laughs> and he's a lefty too. Yeah, he's good. But uh, the fact is that uh, maybe we should call him Phil. Uh, well, I don't know, but you know, now you know it. And his mom is a great golfer too. Oh, I didn't Our know rep- that. Representative Barker is a, she is a tremendous golfer too. Okay. So, but uh, uh, I hope we can get him on the Senate golf team this year. I hope the House doesn't preempt him and all no, that. But well, but the fact is that. Good people make for good policy and good legislation. And we already see this. Uh, we see uh, uh, the governor hasn't blinked. I think that's an important thing for people to understand. You know, people, when they're running, they say one thing, and then you get kind of a watered-down version of it sometimes when they're elected. We're not going to have that with Sarah Sanders. She said what she means, and she means what she says. Well, with a lack of vision, the people perish. That's straight out of the Bible. That's straight yes, out sir. of the Bible. And I'm telling you, Sarah has a vision. She really does. And that excites me, especially about education. Yes. She does about some tax things, and we're going to get into that with you here during this conversation, as well as with, uh, you know, uh, reforms is dealing with criminals and things of that nature. I, th- I would think those are the three main things that you all will be probably hitting. Absolutely. Now, something, ad- something always comes up right. that will grab away the headlines from you guys. But I would think those are the three things that you'll be really working well, on. We're, we're looking at some real fundamental things here, Dave. Let's start with uh, uh, education. And I know you've talked to some people this morning about literacy. Let's, let's just talk about literacy a minute. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you can't read, you can't learn. Our K through three reading level in the state is abysmal. When you're looking at one third to to one half 
of the children K-3 in Arkansas can't read at grade level. Uh, that's fundamental and nothing else in educational work until they can read. You know, you, K-3 is where you're, re- you're learning to read, and 4 and up, you're reading to learn. Correct. And if you don't take care of this literacy issue, then, you know, we can have the greatest universities and graduate schools in the, pro- in the country, but, you know, our people – as you said, would perish. And we're, we're dealing with that fundamental thing. Then, uh, the, 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 even pulling back from that, the very first duty as government of government is to protect the people. And we're in a situation with criminal justice that, uh, and it, it's systemic, and it didn't all happen overnight, but uh, you lock the bad guys up. You lock them up and keep we keep them away from the good guys. Yeah, because they can't get along with people. And and we can talk about uh, uh, reform, and there's a lot of good things that are going on. The attorney general is working on a great piece of legislation. I believe Senator Ben Gilmore is going to be carrying that. And it will be uh, fixing some of the fundamental issues. We're going to have to have more jail space. You know, we're, we're 3 million people in Arkansas just from growth of population, we got to have more jail space. But it's not just the prisons. Uh, I was talking again to the, to the uh, uh, Faulkner County Committee last night, and I mentioned that, you know, we've had a scandalous situation where uh, convicted criminals that should be in the Department of Corrections have been backed up into the county jails across the state. And then to add insult to injury, we're not until recently, and again, this is a moving target, we weren't reimbursing the counties for holding those state prisoners. So we're dumping the, our, our responsibility off on, on the county jails. Well, and, and that's not right. But take it another step further, Dave. That also means that the space for those felons that's taken up in the county jails is the place that the misdemeanor uh, criminals don't have to go to jail, so we turn them loose back on the street so they can break into your car and your house and, and do the, the more petty crimes. So the, it's almost a, like dominoes falling when, when you add that to the deal. So a uh, sheriff in northwest Arkansas said something to me last year. He said, when, when we arrest a perp, first thing they ask us is, is this federal or state? Yeah, federal, you're going to do... Uh, 80%, you're going, you're going 80 to 85% yeah, of absolutely. your... Absolutely. And if it's state, they say, well, if I've got a 20-year sentence, I probably won't serve more than two or three years. And they know this. These, these guys, just because they're, they're criminals, stupid. doesn't mean they're stupid. Exactly. So we're, we're sitting here. Uh, they're playing the system. They know the system yeah. as well as anybody. It's their job. It's their business. It's what they do for a living. They're right. criminals. But, but the fact is that uh, to, we've got to... Very first thing is protect the people. Then we've got to educate our children so they can go become productive citizens. And and these things are not they're not new. It's just that we've kind of fallen into a rut and not taken care of business. And it's time that we do we do that. And I think with Governor Sanders leadership, we're gonna be doing that. Well I'll tell you what I did with the the increase in crime that's been going on and uh, it's it's affecting Cabot just like it affects everybody. Uh, I I went out. I put a security system on my house. You know, I just mm-hmm. wanted to feel just a little bit more uh, comfortable within my my own environs. And with that, I also picked up a, an AK-47 uh, a 12-gauge shotgun. 
oh boy, that sounds like fun. Yeah. So uh, I won't be messing you know, around your house. Yeah. You get through the you get through the windows. I might just blow you back out through well, the window. You know what I'm saying? And it's shame that we're we're not just that. Of course, we all should protect our home. But yes. But the idea that the circumstances have forced you to rethink the fact that the police, the staff, they can't protect you. And, well, and there's nothing. I've, I've and, always and been armed at my house. Okay. I, I believe in that. They but, can't but protect us. Why? And it's not so bad here in Arkansas as it is in some other states. But it's laws that are being passed that don't allow the police to protect us. Exactly. And the sheer numbers issue we're dealing with. And the, uh, when I had a, uh, again, a Northwest Arkansas law enforcement official told me he lost a very promising uh, officer. He really was high on him, who uh, left to become assistant manager of a Chipotle. Now, when we've got, we're losing police officers to go work in a fast food restaurant. Yeah, so somebody can make guacamole. Yeah, there's a problem. There's a problem. And and I, I, I just, I speak to our police all the time, and I just thank them for being there and doing their job. And, and uh, they're not perfect. None of us are, but uh, they certainly, uh, they show up and they do their job, and we we got to have their back, and that includes paying them. And okay. we'll be working on that. This We did a good job, I think, in the last session. I, uh, uh, Senator Rapert and I had a bill to do a tax credit for all certified officers, and we couldn't get it through the uh, Senate Revenue and Tax Committee, but we kind of leaned on uh, Senator Hickey and, and the others and got it got the raise in that we gave our our. our and the bonus that we gave uh, law enforcement well, let's, and the state police. Let's talk about that further. Right now, i got to get a break in. I've sure. been told that we have to break here. It's about 1022. My uh, guest, uh, State Senator Mark Johnson, how long you got for me? Oh, well, can I take you to 11? We go in at 1. I don't have anything. Okay, I'll take you to 11 <laughs> as far as that, and then I'll buy yeah. you lunch. How's that? Uh, I don't know. Are you not a registered lobbyist, are you? No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> Although some people probably think I should be. It's uh, it's the Dave Ellswick show. Stay with us. We got more coming your way. You're not going to want to miss this conversation. We'll be back in just a moment. 101.1 FM, the answer at the state capitol. <laughs> All right, 10:26 on a uh, Tuesday, and we're here at the state capitol, third floor, right outside the house doors. They're meeting right now. I think I saw a bunch of them over there uh, a little bit ago. But right now we're having a conversation with state. Uh, Senator Mark Johnson, and he was explaining to me how the how the uh, the committee uh, system works here, and how today he doesn't have a committee, but tomorrow he does have a committee that he chairs, and they got some bills that they're going to be looking at uh, over in the state uh, Senate today. Main bill that looks like it's coming up if uh, the sponsor is here, and that's uh, Gary Stubblefield, uh, is uh, HB forty three. And that's the one that everybody SB or SB pardon yeah, said Senate, HB yeah. SB uh, 43, and uh, that deals with uh, you know the drag queens. That's we call it the drag queen bill. It's got a different name than that. But the bottom line is that we have Mary Bentley on, who's kind of working the house side on that, and said that a lot of the information that has been pushed out uh, by the drag queen people and stuff is just erroneous. It's not, it's not going to put them out of business or anything like that. Dave, I've heard from a lot of uh, people, I won't say constituents, a few constituents, but uh, I try to answer them. And 
even people I disagree with, I respect their opinion. Oh, sure. But they're not. In, they're entitled to their own opinion. They're not entitled to their own facts. And the fact is, the bill talks about prurient interest. Yes. And when you're dealing with obscenity, that's a very key term. Uh, this is not going to stop a performance of Tootsie or Mrs. Doubtfire or any of the, I mean, they were even talking about Shakespeare and things like that. That's not what this is. No. But uh, this is about adult entertainment. And there may be a blur between what we used to clearly say, that's not adult entertainment and what this definitely is. But uh, uh, the bill is not an, a, an attack on the things like that, like a perform. I think recently the rep or someone had Tootsie performance. I mean, that's not what the bill does. This and I, is not the Milton Berle bill. How's that one? I'll take okay. you back a well, few years. You just aged yourself. I did. That. But, but the fact is that uh, uh, it, it's, I could, when I first heard about it, I go, uh-oh, I better go read this thing. And I read it carefully, and I looked up a few words to make sure I knew the actual definition. Right. And I, I will vote for the bill. Uh, I don't. I think it does protect children. Uh, I think that uh, there are things that. Remember, George Carlin used to have the seven words you can't say all the time. That's right. And there's certain things that in public you shouldn't be able to do everywhere. And and this is just a limitation on the uh, the prurient interest, the you know sexually oriented things, not the innocent things like a Mrs. Doubtfire or something. Yeah, a Tootsie. Tootsie. Those, those are probably modern-day examples. Yes, yes. But it's, I, I, yeah. I understand that when I say Milton Berle, everybody says, what the heck is he talking yeah. about? Well, but the bottom young line, people don't even know who that was. Yeah, yeah, go back and just check it out because uh-huh. he made a living. Or Flip Wilson and Geraldine or oh, my, whatever. I miss Flip Wilson. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, it's, that was comedy. And it's just amazing how people have tried to blur that. That kind of comedy is the same as a drag queen show, and it is not. All right, we got to take a break. I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to uh, the, the senator because i got a lot more questions to ask him. we got to take a break for some news here at the bottom of the hour, and then we'll be back at State Capitol here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's get back to it. We're at the Capitol. We've got about uh, 25 minutes left here in our broadcast today. Don't forget I'll be back on on Thursday from the Capitol. I'll be back on tomorrow. But Thursday is the next time I'm in the Capitol. i got a special co-host with me. Uh, Dallas Green's going to join me on the show, so Great. it'll be fun talking with her and then talking with all the people who want to come by and speak with us. I know that uh, I'm going to get uh, uh, Dave, uh, David on to talk about uh, taxes and, uh, and economics, so we want to talk with him about it. Uh, next Tuesday, Nick Horton's going to join me. He'll be my my co-host next Tuesday. So uh, we're going to keep you up to date on what's going on here at the legislature. And as we get really, really going, probably I won't have any co-hosts because the host and the co-hosts don't play a part in the show as much as all of our guests do. So as that really picks up, we'll be having more and more guests well, on. Nick is doing some great stuff. Uh, he is, uh, his new organization is... And it's escaping me the name of it for a moment. But I've he, got the, the the booklet that he gave yeah, me. He, it's impressive. He is he is, is. I got an email from him this morning with a lot of great information. And uh, 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 
I think he's my constituent. He lives in Faulkner County. I think he's on my side of the line. But uh, okay. But uh, tremendous young man and and very dedicated and uh, uh, he'd make a great great co-host with you. Okay. So let's let's talk about education a little bit more. Uh-huh. How far are we from seeing the bill that's going to be put together uh, to, to to push? I mean, this is going to be universal school choice is what it's going to be. Dave, let me, let me answer it this way, and I want everybody to understand the technical issues involved so they don't get mad and say they're not working on it. <laughs> if, if Governor Sanders and her staff come up with a draft of what they want, and it's 300, 500, 1,000 pages, okay, whatever size it it's is. It's going to take a lot. You're, you're and, talking about a complete overhaul. But once they've got a document, and this is what we want, then that document has to be literally translated into legislative language. And the Bureau of Legislative Research has a team of lawyers that will literally plug it into the right place in the Arkansas Code. And that's a laborious thing on a big, big bill. Uh, I talked to one of the House leaders in the Education Committee at the uh, March for Life on on Sunday, and uh, he told me that he thought they would have something by the end of this week. But now that's not to the Bureau. Once the Bureau gets it, it's going to take, again, it's going to take how long it's going to take. Probably Some people say, weeks. no, no, probably 10 days to two weeks, but that as a minimum. So you're looking at a, uh, uh, it's, it's a technical thing. You can't write law on like you write a news story. It's got to be exact. The words have to be exactly right and plugged in the right place. We have a great staff, but uh, it is not. There's no computer that does that. It takes human drafters to put that in the language. So I think in in two, maybe three weeks, we're going to have something we're going to be working on. And then, of course, the hearings will start. Uh, you may remember the so-called uh, transformation bill yep. a few years ago, and it was a voluminous bill and the joke was there were like five people in the capitol that had actually read it uh and one of the sponsor might not have been one of those but uh, the fact is that this is going to be read very carefully by a whole lot of people and it's going to be uh again as i said it's comprehensive you 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 do things on one side of the education equation. You got to make sure you're not affecting something wrong on the opposite side. It's kind of like of a balloon. Case. You can't be pushing on one side of the balloon and it's exactly. pushing out on the and, other and side. And we, of we it. can come up with a lot of cute metaphors to describe yeah. it. But you're exactly right. We we have to look at it as a whole because when you do one thing in the system, uh, you affect something else in the system. And uh, I'm I'm confident uh, having. Uh, spoken with with dr oliva he, i have a lot of confidence in this guy and the proof is in the pudding of what they did in florida so I, i'm optimistic i think we'll move along quickly uh it, it's just uh, uh the, the fundamentals we know what they are just like i said we mentioned reading if you can't read by the fourth grade there are bad things that could happen the rest of your life i mean we literally say there's a divergence point at that. Uh, on one hand, the, the kids that are functioning well are literate. They're the ones that are going to go to college or trade school or learn a trade. They're going to be successful in right. life, whatever. And then the others are the ones that, sadly, we're going to have to build the new prisons for. 
and and that's just we'd rather not do that absolutely dave that's what it's about i mean you know some people are just bad but a lot of people find themselves in a situation because of environment and the fact that the system in this case the educational system has failed them and we've got to make sure these kids don't fall through the cracks well that's the main purpose of this we got a lot we'll always have tweaking to do in education policy but we're looking at a fundamental change in education policy and that's uh, the thing i'm most excited about well the best story i've heard about this is that i understood that you know uh, sarah has had members of her administration having meetings with people and at one of those meetings they were talking about something and somebody raised uh, a question about what would the superintendent say and the person put their hands up and said we're not talking about superintendents. We're talking about the kids. Absolutely, Dave. That's a totally different concept than what we've had over Absolutely. decades. And we have some wonderful superintendents out there, but we also have some that think that education is about them. Mm-hmm. And we've got to rebalance that. We've got to, to make it uh, uh, – and, and the, the ones that have been left out of the equation in too many cases are the parents. And when, when, when the governor said in her opening statement, she didn't call it school choice. She said parental empowerment. Yes. And, and I'm sorry, that's the word that's been missing. And I'm so proud that she redefined that because uh, parents generally know best. Well, a lot of people think a, a, just a normal parent doesn't have any kind of idea what it takes to, to, to make their students successful. If there's one person who knows how to make their student successful, it's probably the parent. Well, Dave, we've raised kids, both of us, and we know that. Yeah, I've raised know, a lot. <laughs> well, and, and I have two daughters, and they're wonderful, but they're different. Yeah, they are. And they've had different needs, and, and one had special need, and another one is uh, very geeky and goes her direction and didn't have to have quite the guidance. But uh, uh, they're both very intelligent, but they're different. And no one knew more about what our daughter's needs were than Kathy and I. So I, I, I see, having lived that, it's one thing to know it anecdotally. It's another thing to have lived it and felt it. And uh, I don't think Allison would mind if I mention it. You know, Allison had a learning disability, and she's, she's done a tremendous job working through it. Uh, one of the leaders in house education that's working on that has a child with learning disability. He understands the same thing, and I'm, I'm just excited that people that see some of the, the, the problems, specific problems that we're dealing with, uh, are going to be involved in, 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 in crafting this legislation because uh, we, you know, it's an overused statement that no child left behind, but we really, we don't want to leave a child no, behind. No, we don't. And, and it, it, we don't have to. Now, now, some are going to achieve better than others. That's just life. But, but we can't just leave people behind. All right. So when we come back, we've got one last break we've got to get in. Let's talk about uh, the economy. Let's talk about taxes. Okay. And uh, look, David Ray, like I said, I know has, he's got a lot of different pieces of legislation that he would like to get into the system. He'll be on the show on uh, uh, Thursday, so we'll talk about taxation a lot on Thursday. It's not the sexiest subject, but when you see your your paycheck and uh, you got more money in it, it becomes a sexy subject. So we'll talk about it with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show uh, in uh, on Thursday, but we're going to 
kind of scratch the surface a little bit with uh, State Senator Mark Johnson when we come back. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, live from the Capitol at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, let's finish it up for uh, this uh, Tuesday here at the State Capitol, Dave Ellswick Show. Tuesdays and Thursdays right now, we are broadcasting live from the State Capitol to keep you up to date on what is your legislature doing uh, to benefit you. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Are they helping you? Are they hindering you? And uh, you'll be able to get a good feel for that as we can uh, carry on our conversations. We're talking with uh, State Senator uh, Mark Johnson. Let's talk about taxes, Mark, because the three things I've been mentioning, uh, education, prisons, and, and, and criminal justice, and then last but not least, let's talk about taxes. You can't get the tax structure in vogue unless you're ready to cut spending. Is there a is there an appetite to cut some spending in this I think legislation? There is, Dave, but but let's talk about let's talk about from the revenue side first. Okay. Um, we have a tax system in Arkansas that you know we act like we're in a vacuum here. We're just you know, just, you know I mean when I was a kid they used to brag we could build a fence around Arkansas and be self sufficient. Well, doesn't work. There's no fence. Uh, we're sandwiched between two states, Tennessee and Texas, that have dynamic economies and zero personal income tax. Zero. Now, when Toyota says we're going to go to San Antonio or Marion, Arkansas, and they turn to the management team, where do you want to live? I said, well, let's see. Arkansas has a 7% personal income tax and Texas has a zero. I think we'll go to Texas. Yeah. So they get the Toyota that's truck very plant. very true. Now, that's an oversimplification, but it says... This is an example of how if we don't get in line with our regional taxes, we are going to lose out on economic development. Correct. Now, that's a macro plant, but that's true at small business level, too. Uh, I won't name him, but I have a friend that was living in central Arkansas, moved his business to Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, could, could be from anywhere. There, he had an opportunity for one of his children to go to a very special school he wanted to. Moved his whole business down there. Now, we have to be competitive. We, we want to build our economy. We want our people to have jobs. And uh, we can see it in central Arkansas, but drive through the Delta. See the small towns. I went through Clarendon the other day. It's just so sad. I mean, these people, they deserve jobs too. Yep. And we do this by reforming our tax system. And then there's certain things we have to do to make it possible at the state level to uh, uh, to fix our tax system. Uh, I know I don't want to steal Representative Ray's thunder when he comes on, but David uh, and I share a passion for putting some limits on all these uh, hodgepodge of local uh, sales tax and other initiatives because uh, they they hide these elections, they slip these taxes in. And it makes it that much more difficult for us uh, to shift over to a, more of a sales tax or consumption-based uh, uh, revenue system because you've got a, you know, a, some kind of local pet project that they've managed to sneak through and fund through the uh, uh, sales tax system. And, and I know David's working on a bill to, uh, to constrict these special elections where you're not hiding them from the voters. 
uh, I don't want to, again, steal his thunder, but basically you'd have them at the same time you have normal elections. Well, David, David picked up the ball from Alan Kerr when he was a, a state yes. representative. He ran this, he ran it time and time again, and he thought he had it done, and then he got he got knocked down in the in the uh, Senate committee. It's it's like whack-a-mole or something. Yeah. We're all trying to do that, but but. Uh, that's part of our process is to reform the system of how we do it. Uh, also, Dave, and, and this is a long discussion maybe for another show, but, but I want to look at some things that will. Uh, we have a system with, with local revenues of what I call the haves and the have-nots. We have communities with, with big tax bases uh, that are doing very well. And uh, I have my hometown of Conway is a great example. And then you have other communities that uh, I had one in South Arkansas, the mayor told me, he said, we don't have a tax base. Our people go to the next county north, the next county south, to their Walmart Supercenter, and they get all the sales tax revenue, and we can't even hire another police officer. Now, that's not equal protection of those citizens. Right. Uh, those citizens are paying those taxes, but they're not getting the benefits of We need to look at a way to make sure that these small communities have reasonable share of the tax to serve their citizens who once again they're paying it but it's just going to another community so we we need to look at that and i've i've talked to some of the economists uh some of the organizations around the state about uh, studying that now that's a long-term project but but i'm excited about doing it because we can't let rural arkansas die on the vine all right last question for me or for you from me and that is uh now, I'll let everybody know I already kind of talked to him about this, and he told me he's going to bring it up again, and I want to hear about it. And that is punishing people and uh, taking away perhaps uh, money from reti- their retirement from the state if uh, they broke, broke the law. Well, you know, you pick up the paper. We just had it this week. Another former senator sentenced for corruption. You're talking about Wilkin. Yes, and uh, it's both sides of the aisle. He was yes. a Democrat, but we certainly had the, the Republicans. It's it's an equal opportunity criminal thing. Uh, this week, for the third time, I will reintroduce my bill that basically says if you're convicted of a public corruption crime, you're stealing, you're taking bribes, then you will forfeit your state pension. Okay, now let me stop you right there. Why would anybody have any problem with that? I'm still trying to struggle with that. I think you could easily say, well, they're crooks. They know if they get caught, they're going to lose their pension. But but I think there's several lesser iterations of that, but I, I probably, it's failed because I'm not a good enough senator, but maybe I've learned enough the last four years to push it through but but certainly this is a fact that you know i caught some people have said it's the nick wilson bill some people remember former senator nick wilson i wasn't here but i he heard went, enough stories he, went to to the, he was convicted it. of corruption he went to the federal penitentiary and started drawing his state pension i just think that's, that's wrong. morally wrong yeah, and I i'm going to keep as long as i'm in the senate i'll be fighting to get that bill through and i will be reintroducing it this week all right keep it keep up the good work mark Thanks, Dave. You're one of the good guys. At least well, I feel so. Thank you for your good work because you keep our citizens informed, and that helps us do our job. All right. Well, you, I'll uh, see you down the road. I know Great. that you'll be back on more times than not. Call me anytime. So we look forward All to right. it. Thanks, Thanks a Dave. lot. State Senator 
Mark Johnson here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so uh, I got about two minutes here. So let me quickly tell you that uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, you here on uh, Thursday for for a fact because Dallas Green's going to be with me, and that'll be an interesting discussion uh, with her because I bet you she's excited just like I am because we're actually seeing conservatism moving in the marbled halls here here in uh, in uh, the capital uh, and that's exciting it really really is tomorrow uh, I'm going to be on uh, starting at seven with me uh, I'll be joined uh, 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 in the uh, first half hour had to think here for just a second in the first half hour I'm going to be joined uh, by uh, uh, French Hill, Congressman Hill will join me. Um, let me bring up something here. He has, he's been uh, put on a couple of committees. Let me tell you what he's, uh, what he's, what he's doing now uh, there in Washington D.C. Because we'll talk about it tomorrow. I think it's he's going to be on foreign relations. Is one of the uh, of the uh, uh, committees that he's on. Let's see. He's been appointed to the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. So we'll talk to him about both of those committees. What do they entail? What do they do? We'll talk to him about uh, uh, President Biden and his, his bungling and mishandling of classified information that they just keep finding all over the place. Don't be surprised if more stuff just doesn't turn up. And this is stuff that's turning up, which is really discon- uh, disconcerting, is it's turning up from uh, uh, when he was vice president, of course, and also turning up when he was senator. He hasn't been a senator in, what, 12, 13 years? And this stuff has been just hanging around. I don't know if it's been in his garage or where it's been, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. And, uh, and discuss it here on uh, the Dave Ellswick uh, uh, show. And uh, we're going to talk with a lot of other people as well. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Fauci. That's going to be another topic of discussion uh, here on the Dave Ellswick show as, as well. So with that all said, you have a good afternoon. Drive safely in the morning because it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be nasty out. Maybe a little snow on the road. If it is, slow down and, uh, you know, don't tailgate people. See you tomorrow from the, from the uh, Capitol building. We appreciate you joining us to here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Yep. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.